0: Two wizards.
1: two wizards two
0: wizards two wizards two wizards you know I think I, I think I like I was I was sitting here trying to like muster up some kind of energy to do a fun and quirky cold open, but I'm just, I'm just tired, Mark. Like, uh, didn't, didn't sleep very well last night. Um, had a, had a bit of a, had a bit of a headache when I woke up. It was just like achy all day. And yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be here and be present and committed to this episode, but it's just the whole like, oh, hey, come up with a fun factoid or a fun little anecdote to, uh, start off a cold open. And I, I, I just got nothing, man.
1: No, that's that's fine. I don't. I don't think we always have to be like, on. I guess for the cold over right. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, because that's the other thing too. From our, uh, from a kind of theater and actor training, like if you, it's very clear if you force it. If you're trying to force something, then it comes off as disingenuous. And and but then again, you know, some sometimes, if you are kind of. A, in a funk or not quite feeling it, you do kind of have to fake it till you make it, almost. But, um, but I, I, I just can't right now. I, I just can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a, I'm like a prime number other than two. I just can't even. So I
1: just can't even. <laughs> oh well. Not... No, it's, you, you don't have to
0: even. Yeah, that's okay. God
1: damn, there's a thunderstorm behind me. I don't know if you can hear that too. Oh Between no! Between car alarms and thunderstorms, like yeah. I really think we might be up to something bad business tonight, Josh.
0: Yeah, there th- there could be some yeah some some bad mojo brewing in the air. We we've been getting a couple thunderstorms like crazy over here too. So yeah, it's I, it is just some weird some weird kind of energy. It's it, it's almost like there's there's something that's maybe just like starting to rouse and to wake up and uh, is 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 rising up from the unknowable depths that uh, it's going to pal around with us on the Two Wizards podcast tonight.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> Maybe something like that. Uh, and if that yeah. wasn't ominous or obvious or both enough, uh, hello, everybody. If you
1: didn't, if you didn't read the title of the episode yeah, already, yeah.
0: Yeah, if you uh, if you went into this uh, just instantly downloading, they're like, "Don't ruin this for me, mom! No spoilers!" <laughs> I go into my Two Wizards episodes fresh. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but wait a second. Why would someone's mom like download his podcast? I don't know.
1: <laughs> There's it's well, it's it's that one kid who's like probably too young to listen to it, but still does, and yeah. so like. They have to see what it is before they approve it. So they're like, oh, mermaids, that's fine. That's innocuous. Yeah. Terror from the deep. Oh, attack of the it's No,
0: that's a bad thing. Call of
1: Cthulhu. That sounds cute. Yeah.
0: Mom just punching the parental guidance code already. God. <laughs> he just like storms over with his smartphone. <laughs>
1: Oh golly anyway oh God, but it's a V it's a V chip for the smartphone yeah I know it's that a v... that's I know that it already exists but right no but that's chip? it yeah. God that was so bad <laughs> oh God
0: but yes uh, and me. and oh, and, and hello dear kind gentle listener um I'm I'm Josh and I'm a wizard
1: and I'm Mark and I took a poorly timed drink of water and I'm oh. also
0: a wizard <laughs> and uh and, and yes we ah, um shut up computer. Sorry. No. Well, and even it, there just, you go and, and even okay. the the computer's making weird noises, but
1: um, <laughs> I'm just be I'm unprofessional tonight, that's all that is.
0: Well, it but yeah, I I got my weird like uh sort of like slap happy energy. There's all sorts of interrupting noises and all that. So, I think I think we just need to maybe not like completely do a loose robes, but just do some actually, you know what we haven't done in a long long time is what was uh that? Is we have not read any H.P. Lovecraft in, like, a, a yeah like a, like at least three months or so. So who knows? Maybe maybe like cracking open the Necronomicon, uh, give us both a little jolt out of this funk yeah. or whatever.
1: I, I think so. But to do that, before we do that, we need mm. to talk about what's in a very special our wizards brown paper bag. <laughs>
0: With your brown paper bag, may or may not be duct taped into our uh, closed hand.
1: <laughs> That's how I don't spill it on my computer tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: But yes, Mark, what do we have in our uh, various <laughs> drinking vessels?
1: Well, we are men. We are wizards of habit, and we like cute themes and puns and jokes and listeners our first lovecraft episode almost a year ago at this point we mm-hmm. did lovecraft by for loco and got amazingly drunk oh, like God. holy shit did we get drunk josh <laughs> you can hear good. in the episode us just getting like progress the, the boulder is like smashing down the hill yeah. of our ability to speak and reason and unknowably drunk i think and then you for can... when we were when we were hobbits we Mm -hmm. did um fosters and that was what we i think that was how we segwayed segwayed back into being two wizards
0: i think yeah i think if memory serves that that's what well and and again i uh yeah if i were a little more professional i would have actually checked this because our very first one the uh lovecraft by four loco that was that was like Mm -hmm. late october right wasn't that Mm -hmm. around or or or, or mid-october and then I want to say the Two Hobbits one wasn't that in like February or March something like that. Yeah, um, I think so. And so and so yeah, it was you know four month span, three three or four months span. And so I so here we are recording this at the end of July again about a three or four month span. So it's it's almost like we planned this to be a quarterly <laughs> feature, but uh, but anyway, and you know speaking of quarters, so we had yes we had four loco. And then we went to four stirs, and so now we have four D's. We got us We're
1: drinking forties.
0: Drinking 40s, reading Lovecraft, and it's amazing. So uh, and um yeah, yeah, like man, if you if you thought you could um sort of like mark our blood alcohol content uh with that four loco um Lovecraft episode, I We'll we'll see how this one goes with forty. So so so, Mark, what what uh, what is your malt liquor du jour um, for this for this go around?
1: Well, um, I have. I'm really sad. I wanted so bad to get cold forty five in honor mm-hmm. of last episode, mm-hmm. especially for your sweet ass commercial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I couldn't get it. I guess it doesn't exist down here. I don't know. I went to three yeah, different liquor be... stores. No Colt Forty Five. Mm. But what I do have is a Steel Reserve.
0: Oh lordy! And you have you have alluded in many an episode before, just the the mayhem that one gets into with Steel Reserve. So
1: it's forty two ounces. Of eight point one percent high high gravity lager, slow brewed for exceptionally smooth flavor, extra malted barley and select hops for extra gravity, and then after that, because I don't want to die, I'm I've got a forty of Budweiser.
0: Okay, no, that's that's very smart. That's very smart to try to try to even that out, and uh, yeah, and yet well, oh, then I also I, have
1: sixty four ounces of water just to be prudent.
0: Also, yes, also very prudent, also very smart, and um, well, and and I. I guess I had a bit of a, I guess maybe a bit of a paradigm shift or a moment okay. of aporia, one might even say. Cause, Ooh. cause you'll remember, Mark, when we were doing um, some of our like 12 drinks of Christmas challenge and I was like, I had to go on like a bit of a dream quest to find mm-hmm. um, like creme de menthe and all this other stuff. And, uh, and, and I, yeah, I went to like three or four different places and son of a bitch, like, I had to do the same thing, trying to buy a forty. Like I was going around. Oh shit! And just, I stopped at like three different places. I was like, man, I didn't think I lived in that bougie of a neighborhood, but I'm in this weird middle ground where I, it takes me forever to find creme de menthe and it takes me ever to find a forty. But uh, but I did <laughs> persevered, and uh, this is uh, I'll I'll give them a shout out just for 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 a uh, good measure. But uh, the fourteen and zero. Um, uh, liquor store on Hudson Avenue. So named because that's what an undefeated football season is, and we're in Ohio State Buckeye territory. Uh, but yeah, shout out to oh. them and hooking me up with the real deal. I got I got two. I even got two Colt forty fives because
1: oh shit, sir. Because I because so I also
0: recalled my Billy D Williams uh, commercial in the last episode, and I felt like I owed it to him. Um, and also like went and rewatched those uh, commercials.
1: That used to. Oh like. my god, they're so good, aren't it's they? So good. I did too. Yeah. Rule oh, so fucking smooth, man. It's amazing.
0: Rule number one: never run out of cold four to five. Rule number two: don't forget rule number one. <laughs> No, I'm not saying you need cold forty five to have a good time, but why risk it?
1: <laughs> why risk it? Well I think I'm ready to have a good time. Let's let's get oh, into these things. Yeah, I'm let's sure. do it. So oh, here it is. I'm also really sad before we do that. Mm-hmm. It's in, mine's in a plastic bottle. What? It's like a it's like a giant coke. Yeah, it's it's really oh weird. Oh
0: my god. That's Well, yeah. I guess at least when you get rip roaring drunk off a steel reserve, you don't have to worry about cleaning up uh, shards of glass.
1: From there, you go.
0: <laughs> from when you get the Also, like but,
1: for posterity's sake, take a picture of your Colt forty fives.
0: Oh, oh yes, uh, definitely, definitely will do. So, all right, here.
1: We gotta have our before and after. Yeah, all right, here we go, buddy. All right. Twisting off. Oh. Ooh,
0: that's a good uh, here spell. it is. Ooh, yum, yum, yum. Mm. Oh, oh, that's. Oh, oh man. That's, all right. Well, here's here's Anya oh. Mark.
1: Cheers, buddy. Oh, bother. Oh, recklessness. (laughs) Oh, discordia. Oh, thunderclap.
0: Why do I get the feeling that that was the first of many oblivion-seeking slurps?
1: Oh, because we have 80 more ounces. Well, I guess 79 more ounces to go. Yes.
0: (laughs) 79 ounces of... 40 on the wall. on the 40. wall. <laughs> well, oh, I, I, I guess before we get, get into... In the paper bag. Yeah. Huh? Well, maybe before we get into reading, just because I'm curious, did you ever do an Edwards 40 hands... Oh hell yeah, all the time. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I I think I think that's just about anyone who was in college through like the 90s to late 2000s. Yeah, that's like a, that's definitely a rite of passage. Um,
1: we, you and I played Edward Growler hands. Like... And
0: then I was going to say that too. Yeah, and if that weren't awesome enough, uh, yeah, we very we very quickly transitioned into Edward Growler hands. <laughs> Got too good. It, and yeah, it, that's just what you what, do. It,
1: what, there's that uh, quote from Conan the Barbarian. It's like success can test a warrior's medal even greater than or even more than defeat. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. No, you, uh, you uh, are staring down this uh, this adversary, and like, and it, but but also it is like a rite of passage. Like you go to some random house party and you see three or four dudes walking around with 40s taped to their hands and you're like yes they're going through the it. They, now it's their time to make it through this initiation rite and uh, enter the hallowed halls of people who have done Edward 40 hands and then like yeah. pissed themselves
1: <laughs> I never pissed myself I don't know
0: I I I, the, the, the times when, yeah, I, I guess I had some preternatural ability to regular, to regulate my uh, system. And yeah. It, but as soon as those came off, whoo, I was, I was peeing oh, yeah, against the no, fence for like 20 like, minutes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and maybe that's why I never did. Cause I just like hammered them both super fast. I'm like, all right, done boys. Let's go. Done. Gotta go. And then I pee like when you guys were catching up, I just like stand out back and all right
0: Yeah. All
1: right. <laughs> Try to keep down all this beer. Whoa. <laughs> oh, we'll gotta do some
0: more. Mm-hmm. All and so I guess uh, oh. with 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 uh, no further ado, let's go ahead and crack open this uh, this Necronomicon here. And 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 you wanted to read this one, and I think it's an excellent story, and I think it's perfect that we should we should christen this with malt liquor. Uh, what story are we reading this time around?
1: the call of cthulhu
0: the the call of cthulhu that uh yeah i'm and and i'm 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 i am happy that cthulhu has become like a more broadly recognized uh, cultural icon like he's a pretty common thing now mm. um he's been in like south park episodes there's people who make like keychains of him so yeah this is this is all right. And so, yeah, we might as well uh, just uh, take on this, this beast uh, head first and uh, we'll see if that phrase is intentional come <laughs> a little later or not, as we read this. Yes. Um, well, so what do you want to do this? Do, do, do you want to take maybe like um, maybe like two paragraphs and trade off? Because sometimes if, if it's every paragraph, that can be a little, a little weird, But but you want to say like every two paragraphs?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that's fine. That's cool, yeah. Okay. Two. Yeah, I'm also reading mine out of my, like, hard copy of Necronomicon. And I've used it in the past, and there mm. wasn't that many differences between yours, right. mine, and yours. So I'm just going to... That's easier than trying to, like, half-watch Audacity and then read it off half my computer screen and hope it's still recording.
0: Yeah, to- totally. Well, and, uh, and, and uh, I have... Uh, this has been the the version that i've read off of with all these this is this is courtesy of hplovecraft.com so so yeah if there might be some minor textual differences that's that's okay that's all right yeah um, but uh, yeah
1: we should okay. make this a drinking game and any time we hit one of the points in the drinking game i'm going to add a
0: ding sound or some shit yes yeah no, so, th- like- i need that's very wise well um yeah oh. why don't you go ahead and start us off there yeah
1: sure so The Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft. Found among the papers of the late Francis Wayland Thurston of Boston. Of such great powers or beings, there may be conceivably a survival. A survival of a hugely remote period when consciousness was manifested, perhaps in shades and forms long since withdrawn before the tide of advancing humanity. Forms of which poetry and legend... Alone have caught a flying memory and called them gods, monsters, mythological beings of all sorts and kinds. Algernon Blackwood. It's breath time. <laughs> the horror in the clay. Oh, here it is. Oh, mm. just drink. Just mm. real quick. Just drink.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, no, no, yeah. Drink, drink in honor of this, this. One of the best opening sentences of any piece of literature. You know, the it was the best of times it was the worst of times. Two households both alike in dignity. Uh, drink. Treat,
1: treat. Yes. Alright, here we go. The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability for the human mind to correlate all of its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. The sciences, each straining in their own direction, have hitherto harmed us little. But some day by the, by the piecing together of disassociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and our frightful position therein that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. Theosophists have guessed at the awesome grandeur of the cosmic cycle wherein our world and the human race form transient incidents. They have hinted at strange survival in terms which would freeze the blood if not masked by a bland optimism. But it is not from them that there came a, simple, a single glance of forbidden aeons which chills me when I think of it and maddens me when I dream of it. That glimpse, like all dread glimpses of truth, flashed out from an accidental piecing together of separate things, in this case an old newspaper item, and the notes of a dead professor. I hope that no one else will accomplish this piecing out. Certainly, if I live, I shall never knowingly supply a link in so hideous a chain." I think that the professor, too, intended to keep silent regarding the part he knew, and that he would have destroyed his notes had the sudden death not seized him.
0: My knowledge of the thing began in the winter of 1926-27, with the death of my granduncle George Gamel Agnell, professor emeritus of Semitic languages in Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island. Professor Agnell was widely known as an authority on ancient inscriptions, and had frequently been resorted to by the heads of prominent museums so that his passing at the age of 92 may be recalled by many. Locally, interest was intensified by the obscurity of the cause of death. The professor had been stricken whilst returning from the Newport boat, falling suddenly, as witnesses said, after having been jostled by a nautical-looking Negro who had come from one of the queer dark courts on the precipitous hillside, which formed a shortcut from the waterfront to the deceased's home in William Street. Physicians were unable to find any visible disorder, but but concluded after perplexed debate that some obscure lesion of the heart, induced by the brisk ascent of so steep a hill by so elderly a man, was responsible for the end. At the time, I saw no reason to dissent from the dictum, but latterly I am inclined to wonder, and more than wonder. As my grand-uncle's heir and, ex- and executor, for he died a childless widow, I was expected to go over his papers with some thoroughness, and for that purpose moved his entire set of files and boxes to my quarters in Boston. Much of the material which I correlated will be later published by the American Archaeological Society, but there was one box which I found exceedingly puzzling, and which I felt much averse from showing to others. It had been locked, and I did not find the key till it occurred to me to examine the personal ring which the professor carried always in his pocket. Then indeed I succeeded in opening it, but when I did so seemed only to be confronted by a greater and more closely locked barrier. For what could be the meaning of the queer clay bas-relief and the disjointed jottings, ramblings, and cuttings which I found? Had my uncle in his latter years become credulous of the most superficial impostures, I resolved to search out the eccentric sculptor responsible for this apparent disturbance of an old man's peace of mind.
1: The bas-relief was a rough triangle, less than an inch thick and about 5 by 6 inches in area, obviously of modern origin. Its designs, however, were far from modern in atmosphere and suggestion, for although the vagaries of cubism and futurism are many and wild, they do not often reproduce that cryptic regularity which lurks in prehistoric writing. And writing in some kind of bulk of these designs seems certainly to be, though my memory or. Er- though my memory, despite much familiarity with the, with the papers and collections of my uncle, failed in any way to identify this particular species, or even hint at its remotest affiliations. Above these apparent hieroglyphics was a figure of evidently pictorial intent, though its impressionistic execution forbade a very clear idea of its nature. It seemed to be some sort of monster, or symbol representing a monster, of a form which only a diseased fancy could conceive. If I say my somewhat extravagant imagination yielded simultaneous pictures of an octopus, a dragon, and a human caricature, I shall not be unfaithful to the spirit of the thing. A pulpy, tentacled head head surmounted a grotesque and scaly body with rudimentary wings, but it was the general outline of the whole which made it most shockingly frightful. Behind the figure was a vague suggestion of Cyclopean architectural background.
0: The writing accompanying this oddity was, aside from a stack of press cuttings, In Professor Agnell's most recent hand, and made no pretense to literary style. What seemed to be the main document was headed Cthulhu cult, in characters painstakingly printed to avoid the erroneous reading of a word so unheard of. The manuscript was divided into two sections, the first of which was headed 1925, Dream and Dream Work of H.A. Wilcox, 7 Thomas Street, Providence, Rhode Island, and the second, Narrative of Inspector John R. Legrasse, 121 Bienville Street, New Orleans, Louisiana, at 1908 AAS meeting. Notes on same in Professor Webb's account. The other manuscript papers were all brief notes, some of them accounts of the queer dreams of different persons, some of them citations from theosophical books and magazines, notably W. W. Scott Elliott's Atlantis and the Lost Lemuria, and the rest comments on long-surviving secret societies and hidden cults with references to passages in such mythological and anthropological sourcebooks as Fraser's Golden Bough and Miss Murray's Witch Cult in Western Europe. The cuttings largely alluded to outer mental illnesses and outbreaks of group folly or mania in the spring of 1925. The first half of the principal manuscript told a very peculiar tale It appears that on March 1, 1925, a thin, dark young man of neurotic and excited aspect had called upon Professor Agnell bearing the singular clay bas-relief, which was then exceedingly damp and fresh. His card bore the name of Henry Anthony Wilcox, and my uncle had recognized him as the youngest son of an excellent family slightly known to him, who had latterly been studying sculpture at the Rhode Island School of Design and living alone at the Fleur de Lis building near that institution. Wilcox was a precocious youth of known genius, but great eccentricity, and had, from childhood, uh, um, and had from childhood excited attention through the strange stories and odd dreams he was in the habit of relating. He called himself psychically hypersensitive, but the state folk of the ancient commercial city dismissed him as merely queer. Never mingling much with his kind, he had dropped gradually from social visibility and was now known only to a small group of aesthetes from other towns. Even the Providence Art Club, anxious to preserve its conservatism, had found him quite hopeless.
1: On the occasion of the visit ran the professor's manuscript, the sculptor abruptly asked for the benefit of the host's archeological knowledge in identifying the hieroglyphics on the bas-relief. He spoke in a dreamy, stilted manner, which suggested pose and alienated sympathy, and my uncle showed some sharpness in replying for the conspicuous freshness of the tablet implied the kinship with anything but archeology. span Young Wilcox's rejoinder, which impressed my uncle enough to make him recall and record it verbatim, was of fantastically poetic cast, which must have typified the whole conversation, of which I have found highly characteristic of him, said, It is new indeed, for I made it last night in a dream of strange cities, and dreams are older than brooding Tyre, or the contemplative Sphinx, or garden-girdled Babylon. It was then that he began... uh, that. Oh my god. Fucking seal reserve, here we go Already Twelve minutes in It was then he began that rambling tale Which suddenly played upon a sleeping memory And won the fevered interest of my uncle That had been the slight earthquake tremor the night before The most considerable felt in New England for some years And Wilcox's imagination had been keenly affected Upon retiring, he had an unprecedented dream of a great cyclopean cities of titan blocks and sky flung monoliths, all dripping with green ooze and sinister latent horror. Hieroglyphics had covered the walls and pillars, and from some undetermined point below had come the voice that was not a voice, a chaotic sensation which only fancy could transmute into sound, but which he attempted to render the most unpronounceable jumble of letters, Cthulhu Fhtagn.
0: This verbal jumble was the key to the recollection which excited and disturbed Professor Agnell. He questioned the sculptor with scientific minuteness and studied with almost frantic intensity the bas-relief on which the youth had found himself working, chilled and clad only in his nightclothes, when waking had stolen bewilderingly over him. My uncle blamed his old age, Wilcox said afterwards, for his slowness in recognizing both hieroglyphics and pictorial design. Many of his questions seemed highly out of place to his visitor, especially those which he tried to connect the latter with strange cults or societies. And Wilcox could not understand the repeated promises of silence which he was offered in exchange for an admission of membership in some widespread mystical or paganly religious body. When Professor Agnell became convinced that the sculptor was indeed ignorant of any cult or system of cryptic lore, he besieged his visitor with demands for future reports of dreams. This bore regular fruit. For after the first interview, the manuscript records daily calls of the young man, during which he related starling fragments of nocturnal imagery, whose burden was always some terrible cyclopean vista of dark and dripping stone, with a subterranean voice or intelligence shouting monotonously, in enigmatical sense impacts, ininscribable save as gibberish. The two sounds most frequently repeated are those rendered by the letters Cthulhu and Ruliae, On March 23rd, the manuscript continued, Wilcox failed to appear, and inquiries at his quarters revealed that he had been stricken with an obscure sort of fever and taken to the home of his family in Waterman Street. He had cried out in the night, arousing several other artists in the building, and had manifested since then then only alternations of unconsciousness and delirium. My uncle at once telephoned the family, and from that time forward kept close watch of the case calling often at the Thayer street office of Dr. Toby, whom he learned to be in charge. The youth's febrile mind, apparently, was dwelling on strange things, and the doctor shuddered now and then as he spoke of them. They included not only a repetition of what he had formerly dreamed, but touched wildly on a gigantic thing miles high which walked or lumbered about. He had no time fully described this object, but occasional frantic words, as repeated by Dr. Toby. ...convinced the professor that it must be identical with the nameless monstrosity he had sought to depict in his dream sculpture. Reference to this object, the doctor added, was invariably a prelude to the young man's subsidence into lethargy. His temperature, oddly enough, was not greatly above normal, but his whole condition was otherwise such to suggest true fever fever, rather than mental disorder.
1: On April 2nd at about 3 p.m., every trace of Wilcox's malady suddenly ceased. He sat upright in bed, astonished to find himself at home and completely ignorant of what had happened in dream or reality since the night of March 22nd. Pronounced well by his physician, he returned to his quarters in three days, but to Professor Angel, he was of no further assistance. All traces of strange dreaming had vanished with his recovery, and my uncle kept no record of his night thoughts after a week of pointless and irrelevant accounts of of thoroughly usual visions. Here the first part of the manuscript ended, but references to certain, to certain of the scattered notes gave me much material for thought. So much, in fact, that the only ingrained skepticism then forming my philosophy can account for my continued distrust of the artist. The notes in question were those of descriptive dreams of various persons covering the same period as that in which young Wilcox had had his strange visitations. My uncle, it seems, had quickly instituted a prodigiously far-flung body of inquiries amongst nearly all the friends who he could question without impertinence, asking for nightly reports of their dreams and the dates of any notable visions of some time past. The reception of his request seems to have varied, but he must, at the very least, have received more responses than any ordinary man could have handled without his secretary. This original correspondence was not preserved, But his notes formed a thorough and really significant digest. Average people in society and business, New England's traditional salt of the earth, gave an almost completely negative result. Though scattered cases of uneasy but formless nocturnal impressions appear here and there, always between March 23rd and April 2nd, the period of young Wilcox's delirium. Scientific men were little more affected, though four cases of vague description suggest a fugitive glimpse of strange landscapes, and in one case, there is mention a dread of something abnormal.
0: It was from the artists and poets that the pertinent answers came, and I know that panic would have broken loose had they been able to compare notes. As it was, lacking their original letters, I half suspected the compiler of having asked leading questions or of having edited the correspondence in corroboration of what he had latently resolved to see. That is why I continued to feel that Wilcox, somehow cognizant of the old data which my uncle had per- possessed had been imposing on the veteran scientists. These responses from Asthetes told a disturbing tale. From February 28th to April 2nd, a large proportion of them had dreamed very bizarre things. The intensity of the dreams being immeasurably the stronger during the period of the sculptor's delirium. Over a fourth of those who reported anything reported scenes and half sounds not unlike those which Wilcox had described. And some of the dreamers confessed acute fear of the gigantic, nameless thing visible toward the last. One case, which the notes um, describes with emphasis, was very sad. The subject, a widely known architect with leaning towards theosophy and, and occultism, went violently insane on the date of young Wilcox's seizure and expired several months later after incessant screamings to be saved from some escaped denizen of hell. Had my uncle referred to these cases by name instead of merely by number, I should have attempted some corroboration and personal investigation." But as it was i succeeded in tracing down only a few all of these however bore out the notes in full i have often wondered if all the objects of the professor's questioning felt as puzzled as did this fraction It is well that no explanation shall ever reach them the press cuttings as i have intimated touched on cases of panic mania and eccentricity during the given period professor engel must have employed a cutting bureau for the number of extracts was tremendous, and the sources scattered throughout the globe. Here was a nocturnal suicide in London, where Lone Sleeper had leaped from a window after a shocking cry. Here likewise a rambling letter to the editor of a paper in South America, where a fanatic deduces a dire future from visions he has seen. A dispatch from California describes a theosophist colony as donning white robes and masks for some glorious fulfillment which never arrives whilst items from India speak guardedly of serious native unrest toward the end of March. Voodoo orgies multiply in Haiti, and African outposts report ominous mutterings. American officers in the Philippines find certain tribes bothersome about this time, and New York policemen are mobbed by hysterical Levantines on the night of March 22nd to 23rd. The west of Ireland, too, is full of wild rumor and legendary, and a fantastic painter named Ardo Benon hangs a blasphemous dream landscape in the Paris Spring Salon of 1926. And so numerous are the recorded troubles in insane asylums that only a miracle can have stopped the medical fraternity from noting strange parallelisms and drawing mystified conclusions. A weird bunch of cuttings, all told. And I can at this date scarcely envisions the callous rationalism with which I set them aside. But I was then convinced that young Wilcox had known of the older matters mentioned by the professor. that is the and that's the end of part 1 chapter 1 um before we move on to chapter 2 anything that you feel we want to comment on anything we want to dive into a little more
1: um no i like it it's cool i love the story it's my favorite story nautical looking negro is the greatest name for like a funk band i've ever heard
0: surely there are a number of sort of uh, lovecraft inspired or lovecraft tribute bands um and who knows maybe maybe they're already out there and um they have an extensive uh discography already but
1: um <laughs> shout out to arkham witch they're super cool
0: yes yes absolutely absolutely well and um yeah i guess i guess the only other thing that i would sort of note on is uh 1920 1925 1926 something like that when that mm-hmm. when when uh this was first published what does it say here?
1: I'm trying to pull it up, too. Who can do it? Not Call of yeah. Duty. Fuck you. Not Survival <laughs> Game. Oh, my God. It almost bums me out that, like, the first things that come up are Survival yeah, Games. And yeah. 1926. It was written
0: okay,
1: in the summer okay, so of yeah. 1926 and then published in February
0: 1928. Okay. So, so first written 95 years ago. 95 oh, years damn. ago. And I think we take it for granted. I mean, you and I were just doing this now. It's like, oh, I have a question. What does the internet say? Yeah. Uh, and 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 like the 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 internet's ability to sort of store and then um, be used to retrieve data that happens across the globe. Like, yeah, we we take that for granted. I will admit that um, upfront. So, just imagine how freaky this would be in 1926. Like finding newspaper clippings and like weird uh uh articles and like strange showings and art galleries that that all happen in this you know month and a half month m- month period that all seem to like be about the same thing yeah that would that would freak me the hell out
1: <laughs> yeah it's weird you can't write the call of cthulhu in 2021 because when everyone has the same instagram thing it's just like oh no it's uh, Rolier is trending. That's what we're doing,
0: Some right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it would be trending, and then Twitter would do, uh, "This is this is disputed. Learn the real facts about our sleeping god." Uh, over it, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, the, it it is a shame, like you've talked about before, like lamenting that we that we're kind of living in an age where a lot of things are already discovered, and a lot of the magic yeah. and mystery is is gone and and yeah i think i i would imagine one of the reasons why lovecraft endures is cuz his writing captures that it's like hey what would this be like if all the way around the country all the way around the world this weird we start to correlate the contents of our mind to to borrow yeah. that uh, that beautiful phrase but but yeah so uh, uh, I don't want to interrupt our Our momentum Our, our tempo anymore no, no, I, not guess, at all. I guess I, Yeah I'm glad I guess, to get the uh, break
1: I also yeah, want to say yeah. I've totally been to 7 7 uh, Thomas Street It's the Florida Lee building In Providence, Rhode Island It was dope It's all bright and colorful And pretty Check it out
0: Yeah There you go yeah. There you go Oh yeah Well it, it, and uh, I guess uh, Yeah I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to pace myself I'm maybe I'm maybe like halfway Through my 40 here Um but uh, but yeah so and, and I am I, sure that I'll have to get into my second one here by before the end of the story but um but no yeah. man like this is tricky well it, how are you doing with uh, yours?
1: I, it's fine. It, I'm about three quarters or not three quarters. What did you say? Two thirds of the way. I'm about there.
0: Okay. Okay. Closer
1: to maybe half than two thirds, but I I'm disappointed that it's in plastic, and I think I came upon the epiphany that it ought to be. Or one of us did. I don't know. We did it off recording. Um, we need fucking Gatorade like hand grippy bottles, Josh. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, like you the... need that in
1: forties, like for the competitive edge, because you—that's what it was. You would ask me how it was drinking in plastic, and I'm bummed about mm. it. But then you said, "Well, how would it affect Edward Forty hands?" And well, how would yeah, it? Yeah, like it would. But is, could be is it... competitive so like... with forty bottles.
0: Yeah. So, like, is it like the more kind of firm plastic, like in like a Gatorade bottle, or is it the more kind of like thin? In, like, a, like a two-liter Coke bottle.
1: Ah, uh, about... Uh, yeah, it's like a... Yeah, two-liter Coke more than...
0: Okay, oh, yeah. Firm. Well, yeah, because I, I would imagine... I don't feel
1: confident in it, if that makes sense.
0: Right, because I would imagine if it is a little flimsier... <clears throat> oh, there it goes. There That's we go. He... Sorry. Here you go. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would think that would be harder to... Um, put that sort of plastic in your mitt and then tape it around like you need some structural integrity to do that but not I don't know yeah i guess we'll have to yeah. write to the well we'll have to write to the good people at steel reserve and say like look you're you're really not understanding your market here <laughs> the like ri- .com yeah the the um, frequent steel reserve um, consumer probably already struggles with fine motor skills so you want to like Jesus. give them every little yeah you know, every little modification or accommodation that you can so <laughs> <laughs> i just realized that was really fucked up that was a really fucked up that thing those
1: little, little rough little forties are making you a little rough there buddy <laughs> i think i think we had a sharply dog leg from this and uh maybe get into chapter two of our
0: I get yeah uh, yeah Cthulhu. I guess so. Whew. Now my face is feeling hot.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but yeah, so um Okay, so I I finished off the chapter 1 there, so I think I think the yeah. honor is yours again, sir.
1: <clears throat> 2 The Tale of Inspector Legrasse. The older matters which had Made the sculptor's dream and bas relief so significant to my uncle formed the subject of the second half of his long manuscript. Once before it appears, Professor Angel had seen the hellish outlines in the, of the nameless monstrosity, puzzled over the unknown hieroglyphics, and heard the ominous syllables which can only be re- rendered as Cthulhu. And all of this in so stirring and horrible a connection that it is a small wonder that he pursued young Wil- Wilcox with queries and demands for data. This earlier experience had come in 1908. Sorry. This earlier experience had come in 1908. 17, Oh shit. 17 years, just like the locusts. Sorry. <gasps> 17 years, not locusts, fucking cicadas. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Oh my God. Know, fucking A. Oh my God, we're doing it. Oh God, we're doing magic, Josh. Ah, oh, more fucking steel <laughs> reserve. <laughs> I hate those magical powers. Oh, well, suck it out of your well, mustache. Now-
0: now I'm checking. Oh, okay, wait, hold on. Now I have to do the math here. Okay, so twenty twenty one yeah. minus seventeen. No, no, not plus seventeen. The opposite of that. <laughs> minus seven. Because because now I have to see if nineteen oh eight would have been. Okay, no, it would have been nineteen oh two. Okay. Okay, so six years off. But 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 anyway. Okay, sorry, sorry, still sorry.
1: it's weird. No, no, it's it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, fucking oh, Still reserve belch. Oh, man, the first one, we are so on point, and now we're just like, Wee Yeah,
0: it's already, it's, it's already there, buddy. been like, it's been
1: like a half an hour. We're gonna, <laughs> oh, fuck, we're gonna die. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this earlier experience had come in 1908, 17 years before when the American Archaeological Society held its annual meeting in St. Louis. Professor Angel has benefited one of his, uh, as befitted one of his authority and attainments, had a prominent part in all the deliberations, and was one of the first to be approached by several outsiders who took advantage of the convocation to offer questions for correct answering and problems for expert solution.
0: The chief of these outsiders, and in a short time the focus of interest for the entire meeting, was a commonplace-looking middle-aged man who had traveled all the way from New Orleans for certain special information unobtainable from any local source. His name was John Raymond Legrasse. And he was by profession an inspector of police with him he bore the subject of his visit a grotesque repulsive and apparently very ancient stone statuette whose origin he was at a loss to determine it must not be fancied that inspector legrasse had the least interest in archaeology on the contrary his wish for enlightenment was prompted by purely professional considerations the statuette idol fetish whatever it was have been captured some months before in the wooded swamps south of New Orleans during a raid on a supposed voodoo meeting. and so singular and hideous were the rights connected with it that the police could not but realize that they had stumbled I'm sorry Ooh. there you go. Um, uh, but, uh, but the police that the police could not but realize that they had stumbled on a dark cult totally unknown to them, and infinitely more diabolic than even the blackest of the African voodoo circles. Of its origin, apart from the erratic and unbelievable tales extorted from the captured captured members, absolutely nothing was to be discovered. Hence the anxiety of the police for any antiquarian lore which might help them to place the frightful symbol, and through it track down the cult to its fountainhead. Inspector Legrasse was scarcely prepared for the sensation which his offering created. One sight of the thing had been enough to throw the assembled men of science into a state of tense excitement, And they lost no time in crowding around him to gaze at the diminutive figure, whose utter strangeness and air of genuinely abysmal antiquity hinted so potentially at unopened and archaic vistas. No recognized school of sculpture had animated this terrible object, yet centuries and even thousands of years seemed recorded in its dim and greenish surface of unplaceable stone.
1: The figure, which was finally passed slowly from man to man for close and careful study, was between seven and eight, eight, and eight inches in height, and of exquisitely artistic workmanship. It represented a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline, but with an octopus-like head, whose face was a mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body, prodigious claws on hind and forefeet, and long, narrow wings behind. This thing, which seemed in Distinct with fearsome and unnatural malignancy Jesus Christ, malignancy Was of a somewhat bloated corpulence And squatted evilly on the rectangular block or pedestal Covered with undecipherable characters The tips of the wings touched the back of the block The seat occupied the center Whilst the long curved claws of the doubled up and crouching legs Gripped the front edge and extended a quarter of the way Down towards the bottom of the pedestal the cephalopod head was bent forward so that the ends of the facial feelers brushed the backs of the huge forepaws, which clasped the croucher's elevated knees. The aspect of the whole was abnormally lifelike and more subtly fearful because it was its source was so totally unknown. Its vast, awesome, incalculable age was unmistakable, yet not one link did it show to with any type of art belonging to civilization's youth, or indeed to any other time. Totally separate and apart, its very material was a mystery. For the soapy greenish-black stone with its gold or iridescent flecks and striations resembling nothing familiar to geology or mineralogy, The, caricature- the characters along the base were equally baffling, and no member present, despite the representation of half the world's experts, uh, the world's expert learning in the field, could form the least notion of even their remotest re- linguistic kinship. They, like the subject and material, belong to something horribly remote and distinct from mankind as we know it. Something frightfully suggestive of old and unhallowed cycles of life in which our world and our conceptions have no part.
0: And yet, as the members severally shook their heads and confessed defeat at the inspector's problem, there was one man in that gathering who suspected a touch of bizarre familiarity in the monstrous shape and writing, and who presently told with some diffidence... Of the odd trifle he knew. This person was the late William Channing Webb, professor of anthropology in Princeton University, and an explorer of no slight note. Professor Webb had been engaged 48 years before in a tour of Greenland and Iceland in search of some runic inscriptions which he failed to unearth, and whilst high up on the West Greenland coast had encountered a singular tribe or cult of degenerate uh, Eskimo whose religion, a curious form of devil worship, chilled him with its deliberate bloodthirstiness and repulsiveness. It was a faith of which other Eskimo knew little, and which they mentioned only with shudders, saying that it had come down from horribly ancient aeons before even the world was made. Besides nameless rites and human sacrifices, there were certain queer hereditary rituals addressed to a supreme elder devil, or tunasuk. And of this, Professor Webb had taken a careful phonetic copy from an aged... Angakok, or wizard priest, expressing the sounds in Roman letters as best he knew how. But just now of prime significance was the fetish which this cult had cherished, and around which they danced when the aurora leaped high over the ice cliffs. It was, the professor stated, a very crude bas-relief of stone, um, comprising a hideous picture and some cryptic writing. And so far as he could tell, it was a rough parallel in all essential features of the bestial thing now lying before the meeting." This data, uh, d- yeah, geez, this data received with, re- re- Jesus fucking Christ, Colt 45, Colt 45, <laughs> Make you go, woo, anyway, this data, which also data is plural, I'm going to be that, that grammar authoritarian, so it, it should have been I have these, these data, data, but whatever, whatever, it's, it's fine. I I um, have
1: these data, if it matters, I don't know.
0: Oh, okay. Well, well, then good on good on you and your version, and boo on <laughs> HPLovecraft.com. But uh, anyway, so so the I'll I'll, I'll do some uh, revision or editing myself. But anyway, these data <laughs> received with suspense and astonishment by the assembled members proved uh, doubly exciting to Inspector Legrasse. and he began at once to ply his informant with questions, having noted and copied an oral ritual among the swamp cult worshippers his his men had arrested. He besought the professor to remember, as best he might, the syllables taken down amongst the the diabolist uh, Eskimo. There then followed an exhaustive comparison of details, and a moment of really odd silence, when both detective and scientist agreed on the virtually on the virtual identity of the phrase common to two hellish rituals, so many worlds of distance apart. What in substance both the Eskimo wizards and the Louisiana swamp priests had chanted to their kindred uh, idols was something very much very like this, the word divisions being guessed at from traditional breaks in the phrase as chanted aloud. drink. That's what it means. Drink it means drink. It means drink. It means ah, we, drink it? we drink again. Yeah, we drink it again. It means, ha, ah, I'm Billy D. Williams <laughs> <laughs> greatest callback ever oh, even though that was just last episode this still counts as a callback doesn't matter
1: callback
0: hi I'm Billy D. Williams and Gluing McWolden Cthulhu mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. with cold 45 <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh god too good (laughs) oh man (laughs) (sighs) shit (laughs) oh fuck let's get some water in this bitch
0: yeah no very smart
1: the grass had one point in advance of professor webb For several among his Mongol prisoners had repeated to him what older celebrants had told them the words meant. This text as given ran something like this. In his house at Rolier, dead Cthulhu waits, dreaming. And now, in response to a general urgent demand, Inspector Legrasse Legrasse related as fully possible his experience with the swamp worshippers, telling a story to which I could see my uncle attach profound significance. It savored of the wildest dreams of myth-maker and theosophist, and disclosed an astonishing degree of cosmic imagination among such half-castes and pariahs as might be least expected to possess it. On November 1, 1907, there had come to New Orleans a police of frenetic summons from the swamp and lagoon country uh, to the south. The squatters there, mostly primitive but good-natured descendants of Lafitte's men, were in the grip of stark terror from an unknown thing which had stolen upon them from in the night. It was voodoo, apparently, but voodoo of a more terrible sort than they had ever known. And some of the women and children had disappeared since the malevolent Tom-Tom had begun its incessant beating far within the black haunted woods uh, where no dweller ventured. There were insane shouts and harrowing screams, soul-chilling chants, and dancing devil flames. And, the frightened messenger added, the people could stand it no more.
0: So a body of twenty police, filling two carriages and an automobile, had set out in the late afternoon with a shivering squatter as a guide. At the end of the passable robe, they alighted... Oh, sorry. Uh. Ah, there we go. <clears throat> there it is. At the end of the passable road, they alighted, and for miles splashed on in silence through the terrible cypress woods where where day never came. Ugly roots and malignant hanging nooses of Spanish moss beset them. And now and then a pile of dank stones or fragment of a rotting wall intensified by its hint of morbid habitation, a depression which every malformed tree and every fungious inlet combined to create. At length the squatter settlement, a miserable huddle of huts, hove in sight. And hysterical dwellers ran out to cluster around the group of bobbing lanterns the muffled beat of tom toms was now faintly audible far far ahead and a curdling shriek came at infrequent intervals when the wind shifted a reddish glare too seemed to filter through the pale undergrowth beyond endless avenues of forest night reluctant even to be left alone again each one of the cowed squatters refused point blank to advance another inch toward the scene of unholy worship uh so inspector legrasse and his 19 colleagues uh, plunged on unguided into black arcades of horror that none of them had ever trod before the region now entered by the police was one of traditionally evil repute substantially unknown and untraversed by white men there were legends of a hidden lake unglimpsed by mortal sight in which dwelt a huge formless white uh, polypus thing with luminous eyes and squatters whispered that bat-winged devils flew up out of the caverns in inner earth to worship it at nightfall. They said it had been there before uh, Duberville, before La Salle, before the Indians, and before even the wholesome beasts and birds of the woods. It was a nightmare itself, and to see it was to die. But it made men dream, and so they knew enough to keep away. The present voodoo orgy was indeed on the merest fringe of this abhorred area, but that location was bad enough. Hence, perhaps, the very place of the worship had terrified the squatters more than the shocking sounds and incidents.
1: Only poetry and madness could do justice to the noises heard by LaGrasse's men as they plowed through the black morass towards the red glare and the muffled tom-toms. There are vocal qualities peculiar to men and vocal qualities peculiar to beasts, and it is terrible to hear the one when the source should yield the other. Animal fury and orgiastic license here whipped themselves to demoniac heights by howls and squawking ecstasies that tore and reverberated through those nighted woods like pestilent tempests from the gulfs of hell. Now and then the less organized ululations would cease and from and, for, and from what seemed a well-drilled chorus of hoarse voices would rise and sing-song chant that hideous phrase or ritual then the men having reached the spot where the trees were thinner came suddenly in sight of the specter itself four of them reeled one fainted and two were shaken into a frantic cry which the mad cacophony of the orgy fortunately deadened Legrasse dashed swamp water on the face of the fainting man, and all stood trembling and nearly hypnotized with horror.
0: In a natural glade of the swamp stood a grassy island of perhaps an acre's extent, clear of trees and tolerably dry. On this now leaped and twisted a more indescribable horde of human abnormality than any but a sim or an angarola could paint. Uh, void of clothing, this hybrid spawn were braying, bellowing, and writhing about a monstrous ring-shaped bonfire, in the center of which, revealed by occasional occasional rifts in the curtain of flame, stood a great granite monolith some eight feet in height, on top of which, incongruous with its diminutiveness, rested the noxious carven statuette from a wide circle of ten scaffolds set up at regular intervals with the flame-girt monolith as a center hung, uh, head downward, the oddly marred bodies of the helpless squatters who had disappeared. It was inside this circle that the ring of worshippers jumped and roared, the general direction of the mass motion being from left to right in endless bacchanal between the ring of bodies and the ring of fire." It may have been only imagination, and it may have been only echoes which induced one of the men, an excitable Spaniard, to fancy he heard antiphonal responses to that ritual from some far and unilluminated spot deeper within the wood of ancient legendry and horror. This man, Joseph de Galvez, I later met and questioned, and he, proved und- and he proved distractingly imaginative. He indeed went so far as to hint of the faint beating of great wings, and of a glimpse of shining eyes and a mountainous white bulk beyond the remotest trees. But I suppose he had been hearing too much native superstition. (laughs) Dick. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Actually, the horrified pause of the men was of comparatively brief duration. Duty came first. And although there must have been nearly... A hundred mongrel celebrants in the throng, the police relied on their firearms and plunged determinately into the nauseous rout. For five minutes, the resultant din and chaos were beyond description. Wild blows were struck, shots were fired, and escapes were made. But in the end, Legrasse was able to count some forty-seven sullen prisoners, whom he forced to dress in haste and fall into line between two rows of policemen. Five of the worshippers lay dead and two severely wounded ones were carried away on improvised stretchers by their fellow prisoners. The image of the, mon- the image on the monolith, of course, was fully removed and carried back by Legrasse. Examined at headquarters after a trip of intense strain and weariness, the prisoners all proved to be men of very low mixed blood and mentally aberrant type. Most were seamen, and a sprinkling of negroes and mulattoes, largely West Indian or Brava Portuguese from the Cape Verde Islands, gave a coloring of voodooism to the heterogeneous cult. But before many questions were asked, it became manifest that something far deeper and older than Negro fetishism was involved. Degraded and ignorant as they were, the creatures held with surprising consistency the central idea of their loathsomeness.
0: They worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world out of the sky. Those old ones were gone now, inside the earth and under the sea, but their dead bodies had told their secrets in dreams to the first men, who formed a cult which had never died. This was that cult, and the prisoners said it had always existed and always would exist, hidden in distant wastes and dark places all over the world, until the time when the great priest Cthulhu, from his dark house in the mighty city of R'lyeh under the waters, should rise and bring the earth again beneath his sway. Some day he would call, when the stars were ready, and then and the secret cult and the secret cult would always be waiting to liberate him. Meanwhile, no more must be told. There was a secret which even torture could not extract. Mankind was not absolutely alone among the conscious things of earth, for shapes came out of the dark to visit the faithful few. But these were not the great old ones. No man had ever seen the great had seen Ah jeez. No man had ever seen ah, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. No man had ever seen the old ones. The carven idol was great Cthulhu, but none might say whether or not the others were precisely like him. No one could read the old writing now, but things were told by word of mouth. The chanted ritual was not the secret. That was never spoken aloud, only whispered. The chant meant only this. In his house at Ruliae, dead Cthulhu waits dreaming.
1: Only two of the prisoners were found sane enough to be hanged, and the rest were committed to various institutions, all denied a part in the ritual murderers, and averred the killings that had been done by the black-winged ones, which had come to them from their immo- Im- immemorial meeting place in the haunted wood. But of those mysterious allies, no cohort... no co- <laughs> Wow. No cohort account could ever be gained. What the police did extract came mainly... "'from an immensely aged mestizo named Castro, "'who claimed to have sailed t- to strange ports "'and talked with undying elders elders of the, cult, of the cult "'in the mountains of China. "'Old Castro remembered hideous bits of legends "'that paled the speculations of theosophists and made men, "'and the world seemed recent and transient indeed. "'There had been aeons when other things ruled on the earth, "'and they had great cities. "'Remains of them,' he said, the deathless Chinaman had told him were still to be found as cyclopean stones on the Pacific island. They all died vast epochs of time before man came, but there were arts which could revive them when the stars had come round and the right to the right position in the cycle of eternity. They had indeed come themselves from the stars and brought their images with them.
0: These great old ones, Castro continued were not composed altogether of flesh and blood; they had shape. For did not this star-fashioned image prove it? But that shape was not made of matter. When the stars were right, they would plunge from world to world through the sky. But when the stars were wrong, they could not live. But although they no longer lived, they would never really die. They all lay in stone houses in their great city of Ruliae, preserved by the spells of mighty Cthulhu for a glorious resurrection when the stars and the earth might once more be ready for them. But at that time, some force from outside must serve to liberate their bodies. The spells that preserved them intact likewise prevented them from making an initial move, and they could only lie awake in the dark and think whilst uncounted millions of years rolled by. They knew all that was occurring in the universe, but their mode of speech was transmitted thought. Even now, they talked in their tombs. When, after infinities of chaos, the first men came, The Great Old Ones spoke to the sensitive among them by molding their dreams, for only thus could their language reach the fleshly minds of mammals. Then, whispered Castro, those first men formed the cult around small idols which the Great Ones showed them. Idols brought in dim uh, areas from uh, dark stars. That cult would never die till the stars came right again and the secret priests would take great Cthulhu from his tomb to revive his subjects and resume his rule of earth. The time would be easy to know, for then mankind would have uh, become as the Great Ones, free and wild and beyond good and evil, with laws and morals thrown aside, and all men shouting and killing and reveling in joy. Then the liberated Old Ones would teach them new ways to shout and kill and revel and enjoy themselves and all the earth would flame with a holocaust of ecstasy and freedom. Meanwhile, the cult, by appropriate rites, must keep alive the memory of those ancient ways and shadow forth the prophecy of their return.
1: In the elder time, chosen men had talked with the entombed old ones in dreams, but then something happened. The great stone city of Rolier, with its monoliths and, se- monoliths and sepulchres, had sunk beneath the waves, and the deep waters full of the pro- "'Full of the one primal mystery, though which not even thought can pass, "'had cut the spectral intercourse. "'But memory never died, and high Priest said the city would rise again "'when the stars were right. "'Then came out of the earth the black spirits of earth, "'moldy and shadowy and full of dim rumors, "'picked up from the caverns beneath the forgotten sea bottoms. "'But of them old Castro dared not speak much.' He had cut himself. He cut himself off hurriedly and said, "No amount of persuasion or subtlety could elicit in more in this di- in this direction." The size of the old ones, too, he curiously declined to mention. Of the colt, he said that there was that he th- of the colt he sa- of the cult he said that he thought Jesus Christ. The yeah, center lay amid the pathlets. Yeah, fucking a. ...amid the pathless deserts of Arabia, where Irem, the city of pillars, dreams hidden and untouched. It was, not a, it was not a lie to the European witch cult, and was virtually unknown beyond its members. No book had ever really hinted of it, though the deathless Chinaman said that there were double meanings in the Necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdul al Hazrid, which the initiated might read as they chose, especially the much-discussed couplet. That is not dead which can eternal lie. And with strange aeons even death may die. Drink.
0: Drink.
1: Legrasse, deeply impressed, was not a and not a little bewildered, had had inquired in vain concerning the historic affiliations to of the cult. Castro apparently had told the truth when he said that it was wholly secret. The authorities at Tule, at Tulane Tulane? 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 Yeah. Yeah, Tulane. Okay, the authorities at Tulane University could shed no light upon either cult or image, and now the detective had come to the highest authorities in the country and met with no more than the Greenland tale, and the, and had, and met with no more than the Greenland tale of Professor Webb.
0: The feverish interest aroused at the meeting by Legrasse's tale, corroborated as it was by the statuette, is echoed in the subsequent correspondence of those who attended although scant mention occurs in the formal publications of the society. Caution is the first care of those accustomed to face occasional charlatanry. ooh, yeah, that's a good word, and imposture. Legrasse for some time lent the image to Professor Webb, but at the latter's death it was returned to him and remains in his possession, where I viewed it not long ago. It is truly a terrible thing, and unmistakably akin to the dream sculpture of young Wilcox. That my uncle was excited by the tale of the sculptor, I did not wonder. For what thoughts must arise upon hearing, after a knowledge of what Legrasse had learned of the cult, of a sensitive young man who had dreamed not only the figure and exact hieroglyphics of the swamp-found image and the Greenland devil tablet, but had come in his dreams upon at least three of the precise words of the formula uttered alike by Eskimo diabolists and mongrel Louisianans, Professor Angell's instant start on an investigation of the utmost thoroughness was imminently natural. Though privately, I suspected young Wilcox of having heard of the cult in some indirect way, and of having invented a series of dreams to heighten and continue the mystery at my uncle's expense. The dream narratives and cuttings collected by the professor were, of course, strong corroboration, but the rationalism of my mind and the extravagance of the whole subject led me to adopt what I thought the most sensible conclusions. So after thoroughly studying the manuscript again and correlating the theosophical and anthropological notes which the cult narrative, with the cult narrative of Legrasse, I made a trip to Providence to see the sculptor and give him the rebuke I thought proper so, for so boldly imposing upon a learned and aged man.
1: Wilcox still lived alone in the Fleur de Lis building in Thomas Street, a hideous Victorian imitation of 17th century Breton architecture, which flaunts its stuccoed front amidst the lovely colonial houses on the ancient hill, and under the very shadow of the finest Georgian steeple in America. I found him at work in his rooms, and at once conceded from the specimens scattered about his... and at once conceded from the specimens scattered about his scattered about that his genius is indeed profound and authentic he will I believe be heard from sometimes as one of the great decadents for he is crystallized in clay and will one day mirror in, mirror in marble those nightmares and fantasies which Arthur make which Mar- Arthur Macon evokes in prose and Clark Ashton Schmidt oh my God oh my God fucking seal reserve <laughs> Which Arthur Mackin evokes in prose and Clark Ashton Smith makes visible in verse and painting. Dark, frail, and somewhat unkempt in aspect, he turned languidly in my knock and asked me my business without rising. When I told him who I was, he displayed some interest, for my uncle had excited his curiosity in probing his strange dreams yet had never explained the reason for the study. I did not enlarge his knowledge in this regard, but sought with some subtlety to draw him out. I did not enlarge his knowledge in this regard, but sought with some subtlety to draw him out. In a short time I became convinced of his absolute sincerity, for he spoke of the dreams in a manner none could mistake. They and their subconscious residuum had influenced his art profoundly, and he showed me a morbid statue whose contours almost made me shake with the potency of its black suggestion. He could not recall having seen the original of this thing, except in his own dream bas-relief, but the outlines had formed themselves insensibly under his hands. It was no doubt the giant shape he had raved of in delirium, that he really knew nothing of the hidden cult save of what my uncle's relentless catchkism had let fall. He soon made clear, and again I strove to think of some way in which he could possibly have received the weird impressions.
0: He talked of his dreams in a strangely poetic fashion, making me see with terrible vividness the damp cyclopean city of slimy green stone, whose geometry, he oddly said, was all wrong, and heard with frightened expectancy the ceaseless half-mental calling him from underground, Cthulhu Fhtagn, Cthulhu Fhtagn. These words had formed part of that dread ritual which told of dead Cthulhu's dream vigil in a stone vault at Rillier, then I felt deeply moved despite my rational beliefs. Wilcox, I was sure, had heard of the cult in some casual wave, and had soon forgotten it amidst the mass of his equally weird reading and imagining. Later, by virtue of its sheer impressiveness, it had found subconscious expression in his dreams, in the bas-relief, and in the terrible statue I now beheld, so that his imposture upon my uncle had been a very innocent one. The youth was of a type, at once slightly affected and slightly ill-mannered, which I could never like, but I was willing enough now to admit both his genius and his honesty. I took leave of him amicably, and wished him all the success his talent promises. The matter of the cult still remained to fascinate me, and at times I had visions of personal fame from researches into its origin and connections. I visited New Orleans, talked with Legrasse and others of that old-time raiding party, saw the frightful image, and even questioned such of the mongrel prisoners as still survived. Old Castro, unfortunately, had been dead for some years. What I now heard so graphically at first hand, though it was really no more than a detailed confirmation of what my uncle had written, excited me afresh. For I felt sure that I was on the track of a very real, very secret, and very ancient religion whose discovery would make me an anthropologist of note. My attitude was still one of absolute materialism, as I wish it still were. And I discounted with almost inexplicable perseverity Oh jeez and I discounted with almost inexplicable perversity, the coincidence of the dream notes and odd cuttings collected by Professor Engel. One thing I began to suspect, and which I now fear I know, is that my uncle's death was far from natural. He fell on a narrow hill street leading up from an ancient waterfront swarming with foreign mongrels after a careless push from a Negro sailor. I do not forget the mixed blood and marine pursuits of the cult members in Louisiana. I would not be surprised to learn of secret methods and poison needles as ruthless and, as a, and anciently known as the cryptic rites and beliefs. Legrasse and his men, it is true, have been left alone, but in Norway, a certain seaman who saw things is dead." Might not the deeper inquiries of my uncle after encountering the sculptor's data have come to sinister ears? I think Professor Engel died because he knew too much, or, per, or because he was likely to learn too much. Whether I shall go as he did remains to be seen, for I have learned much now. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and that's it for chapter two. Chapter um, two.
1: What do you think? How you feel?
0: I'm, well, I'm, there's, there's not much left in this 40. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm starting to hear the strange dream thoughts of, um, uh, dead Cthulhu, uh, speaking to me. And, uh, Yeah. well, and so, okay, I'm just going to out and out say it. This is, yeah. this is, uh, this chapter of lovecraft here um at first glance it seems kind of rough it seems pretty rough that he's casting a lot of aspersions about certain ethnic groups and all that um yeah and i'm not defending that but i will say this it doesn't it, it doesn't seem to to me it doesn't seem like what he's so uh caught up about is this person's ethnicity or race or whatever but it's that they but but it's that they're doing this cult religion thing like that like that's the that's the thing it's yeah. it's not that and and granted yes i know look up what lovecraft named his cat yes i'm 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 not whatever
1: it's it, a product of the times we're not playing that yes, game. Right yes yeah, yeah yeah like,
0: but but I, yeah. I i i also want to um yeah, I also want to, like, challenge any sort of thing... Any sort of, like, uh, criticism. Like, oh, look at what he's talking about mulattoes in Louisiana. It's like, no, you're missing the point. The The point is that it's this cult religious practice. That's that's the ookie spooky part. It's yeah. not because they're brown.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, there's that, but then it's too, like, I really, really god we talked about before like i just wish i could go i could go back because he's Mm -hmm. touching all this stuff and it's like he touches a lot on like asian mysticism and shit and Mm -hmm. like this is the point in time when like we're so stupid we're not stupid but we're so dumb about it all like yeah yeah. like um Mm -hmm. helena blavatsky had written the secret doctrine by like i want to say 1860 or 1870 i forget. But, like, that's the, like, paramount work of occultism. At least mm-hmm. at least Tibetan mysticism, occultism, and shit. So it's like, yeah, is is the tale of the undying Chinaman a bit rough? Yeah, don't call him an undying Chinaman. But at the same <laughs> time, what the fuck are you going to call him in 1920, What in 1926, 7, whenever he's writing this? That's number yeah. one. But number two, he's hitting the beats. And, like, I really, really like the idea of, like, no, no, this is fucking, like, Old world African Voodoo, it's gonna fuck you up because of like if okay mm-hmm. so like if Africa is the cradle of life, mm-hmm. then why the fuck shouldn't a, a cult surrounding the old ones and Cthulhu not right. rise from yeah. there? Have because religion, that's precisely. the most primitive like form of humanity, so that should be it. Like I
0: don't know. Yeah, that's right. Big. Yeah. Well, and well, and 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 it, and, and granted, this was more in like the first chapter where he talks about this, like. And it's not ju- it, it's not just in Africa, and and he makes it a point. It's like there's this thing, there's this like re- religious kind of practice that that's happening, uh, in Louisiana, and in Greenland, which is like yeah. vastly, and in Ireland about the same time. So it so, th- so that's that's the thing too. Is it's like, I yeah I I think for uh, modern day readers to get really rung up on that aspect of it is you're missing the point is it's like this is this is happening across the globe it's not just it's not just uh members of certain ethnicities that uh the narrator of the story is like uh focused on it's it's this phenomenon of people are having weird dreams people are Committing suicide, they're having all these rituals. Uh, so, so yes, that's I'm 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 playing apologetics for um, for for Call of Cthulhu.
1: I'm not even gonna play apologetics for it. Just take it as a an understanding of where we were at the time. It, it, yeah, I'm sorry, it's it's there, but at the same time, I'm also gonna I'm gonna stand up with this one, especially with the like voodoo. Mm. I like that angle a lot Especially uh, Fucking yeah. A dude Like watch any documentary Of like oh, the most haunted places In America And Louisiana's one of them But then They'll always true. talk about Voodoo and shit Like mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's cool A hundred years later Like Yeah We're yeah, still exactly. getting Voodoo shit out of the south I think it's kind of fun I don't Or maybe yeah. we're still like Racist assholes I don't know which Also Diabolist Eskimo Is your second Vaguely racist Punk band Name for the episode
0: <laughs> If you're keeping score at home um, cuz i also remember one of the first like uh right when i read this uh how many ever years ago and talking about it with you i know i really pressed you for your educated guess on what material the little statue was cuz it's like cuz it's like a like a dark green with little golden or iridescent flecks uh and and calling on your geology background i was like mark do you do, w- what would what what guess would you hazard that this little statue is carved out of or or that uh the city of rylae with its cyclopean walls um what 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 stone does this seem most like to you
1: um the the fetish itself makes me think of like kind of like malachite it's kind of a it's more of a pretty green but you can get mm. some like dark ranging malachite but okay. then in Malachite, you also get uh, this stuff called azurite, and it's just a chemical process that converts it to blue to green. But it talks mm. about there's, like, gold flecks in it. and some I've seen, like, golden flecky Malachite. Okay. And then um, if it's if we're talking about, like, Rulier itself, it really makes – and I, I don't think this is an answer, but you know the Giant's Causeway in uh, the UK?
0: Oh, yeah. Those big
1: basalt pillars? Yeah, that yeah. uh, columnar basalt. I think that's what Rulier looks like. I think it's columnar basalt. But then also inside of it are like these weird giant glacial erratics, like these. So you have these big straight stock star con uh, col, not condoms, fucking a columns. <laughs> you have these big straight up columns up and down, but then jutting out at weird angles. But then in the middle of that, you have just these giant fucking boulders made out of whatever the fuck they want to be made right. Out of. Right. Yeah. Whatever. whatever yeah. Old. Like, yeah. yeah, because that awesome. to me is the most like it's the biggest. Uh, what what would you call that? I guess crossover between like super angular and precise versus round and weird and globular, and yeah. Also, a final note. Um, I believe it is my theory that the 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 great white thing in the make that in the lake that made men dream and told them to keep away is in fact a shagath. And getting super nerdy about it, uh-huh. I wrote a short story in college about the shagath that lived in the golf course pond because we live in a desert town, and then it rained one day and it woke up. <laughs> if I ever That's find a, it, I will what, put it onto something for people to read.
0: Yeah, no, no. Well, and um, well, because even um, uh, kind of growing up in Alamosa, uh, I know that there's there's a couple legends about the woods and area around the golf course being haunted. And there was, there was a full on, and, and I heard this from my mom. Um, yeah, there was a full on like haunted house near the golf course, near like North river road. Um, that, yeah, like just bad things would happen and then eventually it got torn down. But if you still go there at night on a full moon or whatever, um, so right. yeah, always the, on a full moon. Yeah. 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 So when so the, the
1: stars are right.
0: When the stars are right, uh, but not too soon because I can't do it. But yeah, then the shogoth of Alamosa kind of like lumbers over and farts or something. (laughs) Just a little, the little like cattails. That's the smell
1: from the mushroom farm. Yeah, that's the
0: smell from the mushroom farm. Man, this is like deep lore for San Luis Valley locals. but uh but any but anyway, yeah. So so I so I think um I'm I, I, I can't wait to get to the thrilling conclusion, uh, the third part, chapter three of Call of Cthulhu, and uh, I think I'm about ready to crack open um, my second Cult forty five.
1: I think I am ready to get into my Budweiser, and I'm so excited for Budweiser, and that is a statement I never thought I would ever say. (laughs) Let alone fucking record and put out for all eternity till the Solar (laughs) Flares wipes our servers, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so we did it. Two two chapters in, Josh. Here we are. We fucking did it. Two chapters in. Uh, I finished my it. Steel Reserve Cold Forty Five and or not Cold Forty Five. My Steel Reserve. You have Cold Forty Five. I think I'm fucking shit. House. Yeah. You can't quite tell. I'm real scared, but I also have plans for this fucking yeah, glass no, I, bottle after this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so is your Budweiser Forty? Is is that at least in a glass bottle? It is.
1: And it's still frosty okay. Well, and well,
0: Okay, good. So so we're ending on, again, things I never thought I would say. We're ending on a high note, drinking Budweiser. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yes, and so I also, I've, I finished my first Colt 45. Um, I, I, I. I don't want to drink this entire second 40 just for chapter three, but uh, but I'm but I'm also opening up this this other one here, I so I
1: figure we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll get halfway through it and then we'll discuss and then that should finish.
0: Yeah, second. we can we can do and debrief. if it exactly. doesn't, it's so,
1: fine, you know, it's it's fine.
0: Yeah, right, it, it, it's okay. Also, I couldn't help, um, as I was buying these and then driving back to my house, you've you've seen the Brad Neely. Five forty-five, um, uh, short I think I cartoon have. thing, which is weird because oh, oh, I've seen baby. every
1: Brad Neely ever. Like, I I, I will
0: I will China, Illinois, send you the YouTube sake. link. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Even the weird bed but, bug but no, episode, so episode. Like... A... <laughs> yeah, the very weird bed bug episode. With, um, but but no, so it's it's uh, so uh, just to give a brief overview. Uh, the sort of like synopsis of 5.45. I think that's what it's called. Okay. It's a dude who like clocks out of work and the song goes, um, yeah, I got 5.45 and it's 5.45. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and then he goes to talk. Yeah, Gonna no, get a
0: whopper yeah. and a 40 and ride. Yes. And he's just like yes. skateboarding yes, around I, and he has a whopper and he has a 40. Yeah. And so, so yeah, as I was driving back home, uh, having procured my 40s, I, just, I was singing that to myself the whole time. It's like, yeah, I know you fucking feel me. Mm. Yeah, I know you fucking feel me. Okay, anyway, anyway.
1: Now you fucking feel me. All right, I'm going to open up this Bad Larry. Yeah. God, it's so... Can I be do a dick for half a second because I'm kind of housed.
0: Please. It's weird to have something yeah, like
1: giant in my hand. I feel like I'm a bigger dude and like shit looks littler in my hands, but this thing is fucking colossal. This is fucking yeah. cyclopean. This is fucking unknowable.
0: All right, let's get into this. Yeah, game. this, you, you want to talk about cyclopean. Okay, here you go. Oh, there's so here that it twist is. top. can um,
1: hear it ripping. Ooh, that ripping with top. And spiking in the trash can. <laughs> Cheers, good baby. Good buddy. Baby <laughs> cakes. Cheers.
0: But, but baby case. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, God, Budweiser. Oh, what foul beast. What fucking foul hell have you come from?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I I uh, I I Ooh. never want to look a gift beer in the th- mouth, yes. right? Um, but the but the Mrs. Wizard and I just to kind of like bring our summer to a close. Um, we found a little bowling league, and we've been doing some bowling yeah. with like and, and and it's all through this uh, website organization <laughs> thing, and we got randomly paired. Ooh, bless right. you! And. Uh, and uh, we got randomly matched in a team or whatever, and so you know, kind of meeting new people because that's part of it right. too. Uh, but each but each week we kind of go ar- like like all of us have uh, uh, taken dibs to like buy the first round of whatever, um, buy a picture of something, buy a couple of cans or something or whatever. And yeah, this last week it was uh, this one guy's turn, and he brought back um, two two buckets of. Budweiser and Bud Light. Oh. And I think like the collective pale was just like okay. <laughs> thank thank you for the free beer. I'm not going to like poo poo free beer, but well, son of a bitch.
1: I maintain there are two types of beer in the world, the kind that I like and the kind that mm-hmm. you buy.
0: This is this is it, and that's precisely it. And so I I very dutifully and very graciously and full of gratitude and love in my heart. I drank my three Budweiser's. Jesus. <laughs> and bold uh what was I? It was like a one forty seven, I think, this week. That ain't bad. So
1: that's respectable. Yeah, that's a, better than I can fucking do. Not
0: too bad. I but <clears throat> Yeah, well, but, uh, well, because I'm in a league. No, I'm kidding. That's that's the exact <laughs> I would opposite. Love fu- Just like I'm. I would
1: love to fucking go bowling. When you're down here in October, we're gonna go fucking bowling.
0: Hell yes, we're gonna, we're gonna go, go fucking bowling. podcast that which, which uh I guess uh, uh, foreshadowing to listeners, uh, there may be a very special episode of uh, Two Wizards podcast coming coming in October. So keep. Keep uh, uh, keep on the edge of your seats for 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 that. And so and so yes. So uh, like I mentioned before, we are we are at the thrilling uh, conclusion. We're on the precipice of finding out what happens to our narrator with uh, uh, the Call of Cthulhu, Part Three, Chapter Three: The Madness from the Sea if heaven ever wishes to grant me a boon it will be a total effacing of the results of a mere chance which fixed my eye on a certain stray piece of shelf paper it was nothing on which i would naturally have stumbled in the course of my daily round for it was an au- for it was an old number of an australian journal the sydney bulletin for april 18 1925 it had escaped even the cutting bureau which had at the time of its issuance been avidly collecting material for my uncle's research. I had largely given over my inquiries into what Professor Angell had called the Cthulhu cult and was visiting a learned friend in Patterson, New Jersey, the curator of a local museum and a, and a mineralogist of note. Examining one day the reserved specimens roughly set on the storage shelves in the rear room of the museum, my eye was caught by an odd picture in one of the old papers spread beneath all the stones it was the sydney bulletin i have mentioned for my friend uh, has wide affiliations in all con- in all conceivable foreign parts and the picture was a half-cut well, it was a half-tone cut of a hideous stone image almost identical with that which legrasse had found in the swamp
1: eagerly clearing the sheet of this precious, of its precious contents i scanned the item in which in detail and was disappointed to find it only of moderate length what it suggested however was portentous significance to my fledgling to my flagging quest and i carefully tore it out for immediate action it reads as follows
0: mystery derelict found at sea vigilant arrives with helpless armed new zealand yacht in tow one survivor and dead man found aboard tales of desperate battle and deaths at sea rescued seaman refuses particulars of strange experience odd idol found in his possession inquiry to follow
1: the morrison company's freighter vigilant bound for valparaiso arrived the morning this morning at its wharf in darling harbor having in tow the battled and disabled but heavily armed steam yacht Alert of Dunedin, New Zealand, which was sighted April 12th in south latitude 34 degrees, 21 whatevers, west longitude 152 degrees, 17 whatevers, with one living and one dead man (laughs) aboard.
0: The Vigilant left Valparaiso March 25th, and on April 2nd was driven considerably south of her course by exceptionally heavy storms and monster waves. On April 12th, the derelict was sighted, and though apparently deserted, was found upon boarding to contain one survivor in a half-delirious condition, and one man who had evidently been dead for more than a week. The living man was clutching a horrible stone idol of unknown origin, about a foot in height, regarding whose natural authorities at Sydney University, the Royal Society, and the museum in College Street all profess complete bafflement and which the survivor says he found in the cabin of the yacht, in a small carven shrine of common pattern. This man, after recovering his senses, told an exceedingly strange story of piracy and slaughter. He is Gustav Johansen, a Norwegian of some intelligence, and had been second mate of the two-masted schooner Emma of Auckland, which sailed for Cayo uh, uh, February 20th with a complement of 11 men. The Emma, he says, was delayed and thrown widely south of her course by the great storm of March 1st, and on March 22nd, in south latitude 49 degrees, 51 minutes, west longitude 128 degrees, 34 minutes, encountered the alert, manned by a queer and evil-looking crew of cannonaks and half-castes. Being ordered uh, preteremptorily to turn back, Captain Collins refused whereupon the strange crew began to fire savagely and without warning upon the schooner with a peculiarly heavy battery of brass cannon forming part of the yacht's equipment. The Emma's men showed fight, says the survivor, and though the schooner began to sink from shots beneath the waterline, they managed to heave alongside their enemy and board her, grappling with a savage crew on the yacht's deck, and being forced to kill them all, the number The number being slightly superior because of their particularly abhorrent and desperate though rather clumsy mode of fighting
1: three of the emma's men including captain collins and first mate green were killed and the remaining eight under second mate johansen proceeded to navigate the captured yacht going ahead in their original direction to see if any reason for their ordering back had existed the next day it appears they raised and landed on a small island although None is known to extend extent in that part of the ocean, and six of the men died ashore. Although Johansen is queerly reticent about this part of the story, and speaks only of their, filling, uh, and speaks only of their falling into a rock chasm. Later, it seems, he and one companion boarded the yacht and tried to manage her, but were beaten about by the storm of, of April 2nd.
0: From that time till his rescue on the 12th, the man remembers little, and he does not even recall when William Bryden, his companion, died. Bryden's death reveals no apparent cause, and was probably due to excitement or exposure. Cable advices from from Dunedin report that the alert was well known there as an island traitor, and bore an evil reputation among the waterfront. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Ugh, sorry. Adrian and bore an evil reputation along the waterfront. It was owned by a curious group of half-castes whose frequent meetings and night trips to the woods attracted no little curiosity, and it had set sail in great haste just after the storm and earth tremors of March 1st. Our Auckland correspondent gives the Emma and her crew an excellent reputation, and Johansen is described as a sober and worthy man. The Admiralty will institute an inquiry on the whole matter beginning tomorrow, at which every effort will be made to induce Johansen to speak more freely than he has done hitherto.
1: This was altogether with the picture of the hellish image, but what a train of ideas it started in my mind. Here were new treasuries of data on the Cthulhu cult, and evidence that it had strange interests at sea as well as on land. What motive prompted the hybrid crew to order back the Emma as they sailed about with their hideous idol? What was the unknown island on which the six of the Emma's crew died? And about which the mate Johansson was so secretive. What the Vice Admiralty's investigation brought out and what was known of the noxious Colton Dunedin? And most marvelous of all, what deep and more than and more than natural linkage of dates was this which gave a malign and now oh shit, there it is. Oh fuck, there it is. Oh fuck. Oh it smells like smoke Josh. Oh it's bad. I know, I know, buddy. right, be strong, gotta be strong, Cromed and Valor. (laughs) A now undeniable significance to the various turns of events so carefully noted by my uncle. March 1st, our February 28th, according to the International Dateline, the earthquake and storm had come. From Dunedin, the alert, her noisome crew had darted eagerly forth, as if imperilously summoned, and the other side of the earth... Poets and artists had begun to dream of strange, dank Cyclopean City, whilst a young sculptor had molded in his sleep the form of the dreaded Cthulhu. March 23rd, the crew of the Emma landed on an unknown island, and left six men dead, and on the date the dreams of sensitive men assumed a heightened vividness and darkened with dread of giant monsters' malign pursuit. While an architect had gone mad, and a sculptor had lapsed into sudden delirium, and what of the storm of April and... and what of this storm and what of this storm of april 2nd the date on which all dreams of the dark city ceased and wilcox emerged unharmed from bondage of strange fever what of all of this and those hints of old castro about the sunken starboard old ones their coming reign their faithful cult and their mastery of dreams was i tottering on the brink of cosmic horrors beyond my, man's power to bear if so must be horrors of the if so they must be horrors of the mind alone for in some way the 2nd of april had put a stop to whatever monstrous menace had begun its siege of mankind's soul
0: that evening after a day of hurried cabling and arranging i bade my host adieu and took a train for san francisco in less than a month i was in dunedin where, however, I found that little was known of the strange cult members who had lingered in the old sea taverns. Waterfront scum was far too common for special mention, though there was vague talk about one inland trip these mongrels had made, during which faint drumming and red flame were noted on the distant hills. In Auckland, I learned that Johansen had returned with yellow hair turned white, after a perfunctory and inconclusive questioning at Sydney, and had thereafter sold his cottage in West End and sailed with his wife to his old home in Oslo. Of his stirring experience, he would tell his friends no more than he had told the Admiralty officials. And all they could do was to give me his Oslo address. After that, I went to Sydney and talked profitlessly with seamen and members of the vice Admiralty court. I saw the alert now sold and in commercial use at Circular Keg in Sydney Cove. but gained nothing from its non-committal bulk. The crouching image with its cuttlefish head dragon body, scaly wings, and hieroglyphed pedestal was preserved in the museum at Hyde Park, and I studied it long and well, finding it a thing of balefully exquisite workmanship, and with the same utter mystery, terrible antiquity, and an earthly strangeness of material which I had noted in Legrasse's smaller specimen. Geologists, the curator told me, had found it a monstrous puzzle, For they vowed that the world held no rock like it. Then I thought with a shudder of what old Castro had told Legrasse about the primal Great Ones. They come from the stars, and had brought their images with them.
1: For shaken with such a mental revolution, as I had never before known, I now resolved to visit Mate Johansen in Oslo. Sailing for London, I re-embarked at once for the Norwegian capital, and... and one autumn day, landed in the trim wharves in the shadow of the Egberg. Johansen's address I discovered lay in old, in the old town of King Harald Hadrada, which kept alive the name of Oslo during all the centuries that the greater city masqueraded as Christiana. <laughs> I made the brief trip by taxi cab, and knocked with a palpitant heart, with a palpitant heart, at the door of a neat and ancient building with plastered front. A sad-faced woman in black answered my summons, and I was stung with disappointment when she told me that, in halting English, that Gustav Johansson was no more. Ugh, sorry. Fucking eh, there it is. <laughs> he had not okay, long buddy. survived his return, said his wife, for the doings at sea in 1925 had broken him. He had told her no more than he had told the public, but for ha- But... "...had left a long manuscript of technical matters, as he said, written in English, evidently in order to safeguard her from the peril of casual perusal. During a walk through a narrow lane near near the Gothenburg dock, a bundle of of papers falling from an attic window had knocked him down. Two Lascar sailors at once helped him to his feet, but before the ambulance could reach him, he was dead. Physicians found no adequate cause for the end." and laid it to heart trouble and weakened constitution.
0: I now felt gnawing at my vitals that dark terror which will never leave me till I too am at rest, accidentally or otherwise. Persuading the widow that my connection with her husband's technical matters was sufficient to entitle me to his manuscript, I bore the document away and began to read it on the London boat. It was a simple rambling thing a naive sailor's attempt at a post-facto diary, and strove to recall day by day that last awful voyage. I cannot attempt to transcribe it verbatim in all its cloudiness and redundance, but I will tell it's gist enough to show why the sound of the water against the vessel's sides have become so unendurable to me that I stopped my ears with cotton.
1: I love that line so much. Johan... Sorry, sorry, it's sorry. So, fuck it's so it. fucking... No, no, he's well, fucking well, on a boat for this whole thing, and he's reading about these goddamn horrors at sea, and it's so fucking I good. Know. Sorry.
0: Oh no! It no, it, it, We will absolutely come back to that. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Um, Johansson, thank God, did not quite. Uh, ah, Jesus. Johansson, thank God, did not know quite all, even though he saw the city and the thing. But I shall never sleep calmly again when I think of the horrors that lurk ceaselessly behind life in time and in space, and of those unhallowed blasphemies from elder stars which dream beneath the sea, unknown and favored by a nightmare cult ready and eager to loose them on the world whenever another earthquake shall heave their monstrous stone stone city again to the sun and air.
1: Johansen's voyage had begun just as he told it to the vice admiralty. The Emma in ballast had cleared Auckland on February 20th and felt the full force of that earthquake born tempest, which must have heaved up from the sea bottom the hor- horrors that filled men's dreams. Once more under control, the ship was making good progress when held up by the alert on March 22nd, and I could feel the mate's regret as he wrote of her bombardment and sinking. Of the swarthy colt fiends on the alert, he speaks with significant horror. There were some peculiar peculiarly... There's the burp. There we go. There was some peculiarly abominable quality about them, which made their destruction seem almost a duty. And Johansen shows ingenious wonder at the charge of ruthlessness brought against his party during the proceedings of the Court of of Inquiry. Then, driven ahead by curiosity in their capture yacht under Johansen's command, the men sight a great stone pillar sticking out of the sea, at south latitude 49 degrees 9 minutes, west latitude 126 degrees 43 minutes. Come once upon a coastline of mingled mud, ooze, and weedy cyclopean masonry, which can be nothing less than a tangible substance of Earth's supreme terror. The corpse city of Relier, that was built in measureless aeons beyond the vast... Uh, that was built in Measureless aeons behind the va- Oh my god Behind history by the vast loathsome Shapes that seemed, that seeped Down from dark stars There lay great Cthulhu and his hordes Hiding in green slimy vaults And sending out at last after cycles Of incalculable Though the thoughts of the, the- Oh my god sorry the thoughts that spread fear to the dreams of the sensitive, and called imperiously to the faithful to come on a pilgrimage of liberation and and restoration. All of this Johansen did not suspect, but God knows he soon saw enough.
0: I suppose that only a single mountaintop, the hideous monolith-crowned citadel whereon Great Cthulhu was buried, actually emerged from the waters. When I think of the extent of all that may be brooding down there, I almost wish to kill myself forthwith. Johansen and his men were awed by the cosmic majesty of this dripping Babylon of Elder Daemons, that must have guessed without guidance that it was nothing of this or any sane planet. Awe ah, at the unbelievable size of the greenish stone blocks, at the dizzying height of the great carven monolith and that the stupefying identity of the colossal statues and bas-reliefs with the queer image found in the shrine on the alert is poignantly visible in every line of the mate's frightened description. Without knowing what futurism is like, Johansen achieved something very close to it when he spoke of the city. For instead of describing any definite structures or building, he dwelt only on broad impressions of vast angles and stone surfaces. Surfaces too great to belong to anything right or proper for this earth, and impious with horrible images and hieroglyphs. I mention his talk about angles because it suggests something Wilcox had told me of his awful dreams. He said that the geometry of the dream space he saw was abnormal, non-Euclidean, and loathsomely redolent of spheres and dimensions apart from ours. Now an unlettered seaman felt the same thing Whilst gazing at the terrible reality
1: Johansen and his men landed at a sloping mud bank On this monstrous Acropolis And clamored slipperily 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 slip. Sli- Josh Slipperily Yeah Slipperily sure. <laughs> sli- it. A Slipperily sli- And clamored slipperily uh, Fuckin' A <laughs> 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 fucking forties <40s. laughs> up over Titan
0: Oh no man.
1: Alright, let's try this again. Okay, here we go. Johansen and his men landed at the slope at the sloping mud bank on this monstrous Acropolis and clamoured slipperily up over Titan oozy blocks which could have been no mortal staircase. The very sun of heaven seemed distorted have been er sorry, have been seemed distorted when viewed through the polarizing miasma swelling from the sea-soaked perversion, and twisted menace and suspense lurked leeringly leeringly in those crazily elusive angles of, cri- of carven rock where a second glance showed concavity after the first, first showed convexity. Something very like fright had come over all the explorers before anything more definite than rock and ooze and weed was seen. Each would have fled had he not feared the scorn of the others, and it was only half-heartedly they searched, vainly as it proved, for some portable souvenir to bear away. It was what? it was... it was Wadwiga's... It was Rodriguez, the Portuguese, who climbed up the foot of the monolith and shouted of what he had found. The rest followed him and looked curiously at the immense carved door with... Oh shit, sorry. With the now familiar squid dragon bas relief, it was, Johansen said, like a great barn door, and they all felt it was a door because of the ornate lentil and threshold and the jams around it. Though they could not decide whether it lay flat like a trapdoor or slantwise like an outside cellar door. As Wilcox would have said, the geometry of the place was all wrong. One could not be sure that the sea and the ground were horizontal, hence the relative per- position of everything else seemed phantasmally variable.
0: Bryden pushed at the stone in several places without result. Then Donovan felt over it delicately around the edge, pressing each point separately as he went. He climbed interminably along the grotesque stone molding. That is, one would call it climbing if the thing was not, after all, horizontal. And the men wondered how any door in the universe could be so vast. Then very softly and slowly the acre great panel began to give inward at the top (laughs) And they saw that it was balanced Donovan slid or somehow propelled himself down or along the jam and rejoined his fellows And everyone watched the queer recession of the monstrous Jesus And everyone watched the queer recession of the monstrously carven portal In this fantasy of prismatic distortion it moved anonymously in a diagonal way so that all the rules of matter and perspective seemed upset. The aperture was black with a darkness almost material, that tenubrious, that, uh, that, that, oh, Jesus, that tenebrousness, hot, tenebrousness. cold, 40, ten, tenebrousness.
1: Tenebrous, tenebr, I that can't t- fucking say it either, tenebrousness. <laughs>
0: that tenebrousness was indeed a positive quality for it obscured such parts of the inner walls as ought to have been revealed and actually burst forth like smoke from its aeon-long imprisonment visibly darkening the sun as it slunk away into the shrunken and gibbous sky on flapping membranous wings the odor arising from the newly opened depth was intolerable and at length the quick-eared hawkins thought he heard a nasty slopping sound down there Everyone listened, and everyone was listening still, when it lumbered slobberingly into sight and gropingly squeezed its gelatinous green immensity through the black doorway into the tainted outside air of that poisoned city of madness.
1: Poor Johansen's handwriting almost gave out when he wrote of this. Of the six men who never reached the ship, he thinks two perished from pure fright in that accursed instant. The thing cannot be described. There is no language for such abysms of shrieking and immemorial lunacy. Such eldritch Contradiction... Such eldritch... Fucking A. Such eldritch contradictions of all matter, force, and cosmic order. A mountain walked or stumbled. God! What wonder that across the Earth's... A great architect went mad, and poor Wilcox raved with fever in that tele- telepathic instant. The thing of the idols, the green sickly spawn of the stars, had awakened to claim its own. The stars were right again, and what an age-old colt had failed to do by design a band of innocent sailors had done by accident. After vigintillions of years, the great Cthulhu was loose again and ravening for delight. Three men were slept up, swept up by the flabby claws before anybody turned. God rest them, if there be any rest in this universe. They were Donovan, Guerrera, and Angstrom. Parker slipped as the other three were plunging frenziedly over endless vistas of green-crusted rock to the boat, and Johansen swears he was swallowed up by an angle of masonry that should have been there, an angle which was acute but behaved as were obtuse. So only Bryden and Johansen reached the boat, and pulled desperately for the alert as the mountainous monstrosity flopped down the slimy stones and hesitated, floundering at the edge of the water.
0: Steam had not been suffered to go down entirely despite the departure of all hands for the shore, and it was the work of only a few moments of feverish rushing up and down between wheel and engines to get the alert underway. Slowly, amidst the distorted horrors of that indescribable scene, she began to churn the lethal waters. Whilst on the mason whilst on the masonry of that charnel shore that was not of the earth, the Titan thing from the stars slavered and gibbered like polypheme, Cursing the fleeting ship of Odysseus. Then bolder than the storied Cyclops, great Cthulhu slid greasily into the water and began to pursue with vast wave raising strokes of cosmic potency. Bryden looked back and went mad, laughing shrilly as he kept on laughing at intervals till death found him one night in the cabin whilst Johansen was wandering deliriously. But Johansen had not given out yet. Knowing that the thing could surely overtake the alert until steam was fully up, he resolved on a desperate chance, and setting the engine for full speed, ran lightning-like on deck ran lightning-like on deck, and reversed the wheel. There was a mighty eddying and foaming in the noisome brine and as the steam mounted higher and higher, the brave Norwegian drove his vessel head-on against the pursuing jelly, which rose above the unclean froth like the stern of a damon galleon. The awful squid head with writhing feelers came nearly up to the bowsprit of the sturdy yacht, but Johansen drove on relentlessly. There was a bursting as of an exploding bladder, a slushy nastiness as of a cloven sunfish a stench as of a thousand open graves, and a sound that the chronicler would not put on paper. For an instant, the ship was befouled by an acrid and blinding green cloud, and then there was only a venomous, seething astern. Where? God in heaven! The scattered plasticity of that nameless sky-spawn was nebulously recombining in its hateful original form, whilst its distance widened every second, as the alert gained impetus from its mounting steam.
1: That was all. After Johansen only brooded over the idol in the cabin and attended to a few matters of food for himself and the laughing maniac by his side, he did not try to navigate after the first bold flight, for the reaction had taken something out of his soul. Then came the storm of April 2nd. ...and a gathering of the clouds about his consciousness. There was a sense of spectral whirling through liquid gulfs of infinity... ...of dizzying rides through reeling universes on a comet's tail... ...of hysterical plungings from the pit to the moon... ...and from the ...from the moon... Oh my god. I lost my fucking place. Uh, ...dizzying rides through the reeling universes on a comet's tail and of hysterically plunging from the pit of the moon and from the moon back again to the pit all livened by Kacken... okay okay Ooh, here okay. we go all livened by kakinating chorus of the distorted hilarious elder gods and the green batwing mocking imps of tartarus out of the dream came rescue the vigilant the vice admiralty court the streets of dunedin and the long voyage back home to the old house by egberg by egberg he could not tell. They would think him mad. He would write of what he knew before death came, but his wife must not guess. Death would be a boon if only it could blot out the memories.
0: That was the document I read, and now I have placed it in the tin box besides the bas-relief in the papers of Professor Angle. With it shall go this record of mine, this test of my own sanity, wherein is pieced together that which I hope may never be pieced together again i have looked upon all that the universe has to hold of horror and even the skies of spring and the flowers of summer must ever afterward be poison to me but i do not think my life will be long as my uncle went as poor johansen went so i shall go i know too much and the cult still lives cthulhu still lives too i suppose Again, in that chasm of stone which has shielded him since the sun was young. His accursed city is sunken once more. For the vigilance sailed over the spot after the April storm. But his ministers on this earth still below... Oh God, but his ministers on earth still below, still. God damn it. <laughs> but his ministers on earth still bellow and prance and slay around idle-capped monoliths in lonely places. He must have been trapped by the sinking whilst his... Fuck. Woo, 40 in love, 40s in Lovecraft. 40s in, lovecraft. 40s we're in all, lovecraft. We're
1: so close. We can see the tunnel. We're almost there. We're so close. We can see the square so, okay. at the end of the tunnel.
0: We could see that. I, I just got to reverse course and turn it around. He must have been trapped by the sinking whilst within his black abyss or else the world would by now be screaming with fright and frenzy. Who knows the end? What has risen may sink, and what has sunk may rise. Loathsomeness waits and dreams in the deep, and decay spreads over the tottering cities of men. A time will come, but I must not and cannot think. Let me pray that, if I do not survive this manuscript, my executors may put caution before audacity, and see that it meets no other eye. Woo! Woo! Oh my God! Woo! So it's so good! It's so fucking good!
1: So fucking—it's like my favorite story. I love that fucking story so much. It's a. It's, oh it, God, it, it's, it's so just, good. It, oh. So fucking Cause, good. Because,
0: because, because truly. Well, and this is the other thing too. Like I, in my very brief, in, in my very brief kind of like first steps into writing, I got some feedback that in a short story, you want to keep one setting. And one plot, mm-hmm. and you don't want to go and and really this is like three stories in one. Yeah. It's like it and and it because it's broken up in into three chapters. And yet it's done in a way that it doesn't feel herky jerky. And granted, it is all like a frame story too, but it just it it is. It it's it's the it's the correlating the contents of one's mind. It's the piecing together of these of these stories that are kind of discreet and separate and apparently unrelated, but then they are. God, and it's so good. Ah, shit. It's so, it's so good. so fucking
1: good. Like, all the fucking levels, all of it, like, culminating in Johansson's, like, trip to Rolier. Fucking big day in the Cyclopean City. There he is. He, just he went about. there.
0: He was, he was, he wa- he walked, he walked there. Yeah. He was he he and his crew were like this looks like a door. It looks concave and convex at the same time, but it's horizontal. <laughs> they and, and they opened it. Motherfuckers opened it.
1: Yeah. What what's the line? <laughs> what a, a age old cool had failed to do a group of innocent sailors accomplish. Yes.
0: Oh my god. So fucking good. Oh god. It's Oh man. Yeah, no, it, it, it is true it's it's truly like and like I was saying before, like like Cthulhu has entered into the mainstream and I I think a fair amount of people know like, oh yeah, that's the like squid dragon monster thing, right? Yeah. Um And yet that's not at all to detract. Like this it's a it's a this is a good, it's a good story. It's such a
1: good story. It's like, such it's, a good story. I don't know. Like, top, I don't think it's my favorite Lovecraft. I think my favorite Lovecraft is Dunwich Horror. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: this one and That's that one great. always just jockey for position depending on my mood. You know, like, it's such a good, like, yeah. it's all wrapped up into one. It, um, it starts as fucking Cthulhu mythos. Like. Yes, yeah. This idea that there's a... uh, So, like, the idea that we're here on Earth and there was, like, a race of people before us. Or not people, but, like, a race of things before us. But then, like, Mm. Cthulhu isn't even part of that. He's just part of them. But he's not even, like, a god. He's just fucking there. Like,
0: Yeah, he's he's, he's the priest. He's the, like, go-between. He's
1: the fucking middleman. It's like, Like. yeah,
0: like, people... Right. Yeah. 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 People are like losing their shit about him. And like, he's like, yeah, not even, not even going back to that. Not even. I, I, um, well, and the the other line that like really strikes me too is it's something about like, uh, this is like all this stuff happened, um, during the young son or when the son was young. Yeah and that that's like a dagger to my midsection it's just like oh, oh god cuz cuz yeah our son is old I, He's fucking old like what, what yeah yeah it's it's um oh god i should know this i should know this it's 10 billion
1: i think yeah yeah
0: no, no, okay, no, 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 no. It's it's um it's four and a half. Sorry, that's right.
1: Yeah, well, but that's even weird too, because figure Earth is only like four point three billion years old, so it's only like right. two billions of a year. You know what I mean? Like
0: yeah, 0. so so when the billions, yeah, like benton, maybe like. just just barely, just barely when the when like what would become Earth, kind of like coalesces out of like the accretion disk. And like barely become like that's that's when the old ones were here, and they sent Cthulhu to like set. Oh my god! That's oh so my god!
1: I just even like I, I love it. I love Call of Cthulhu so much. I the the lapping of the waves against the boat. I had to stuff Myers with comedy. Yeah. Such a good fucking line. Cause yeah, he's reading this shit and going crazy. I already talked about it. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, cause he's on the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and he's and he's sailing. Yeah, and he's sailing. Oh my god. Well, and and, and I, I know I asked you this in. Uh, oh, what was it? I I asked you in one of our episodes yes. if you have ever been out on the sea. Yeah. Um. And and I think I remember you saying that you hadn't.
1: Not not an open ocean, no.
0: Right and and so so granted like I and this is like far this is the exact opposite of uh, piloting a yacht through this priest of the elder ones like I've 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 been on some cruises yeah Um, and even then like even then that's like like cushy all with like GPS and radio contact and all that. And still, you wake up and you have your um, breakfast and you have your cup of coffee and you go up to the upper decks and you look out and you see nothing but blue. Yeah. And it's, it is. It's, it's, it's unsettling. That's just in the Caribbean Sea. Yeah. Not <laughs> even like
1: truly versus, open ocean.
0: Yeah, not even open ocean in 1926. With uh, Oh my god Ugh. Oh my god It's so good so It's good. so good
1: I also really like uh I like Lovecraft's description of Cthulhu And he's fat
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Talks about like the semi-corpulent body
0: <laughs> Yeah
1: I like yeah, fat Cthulhu like... better than I like buff Cthulhu
0: <laughs> yeah, make, yeah make Cthulhu dummy thick again That's what we need it's a, well, and, and and there's also the very famous um, illustration that somebody asked Howard Phillips, like, hey, like, 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 you keep talking about this statue, like, what is, like, what, what does it look like? What did you have in mind? And he, like, sketches it on, on a napkin or something. And yeah, it's like, just like a dumpy. <laughs> it's a dumpy little squid dragon thing. It's not yeah, yeah buff, not in, buff Thulu. impressive
1: at all. But yeah,
0: yeah. and yet well but, but and and that almost I think that almost adds to it cuz yeah, like you see like Brock Lesnar Thulu out there. Yeah, that's well sure. Yeah, of course that's you know that's that's you see that and be like, "Man, that's a that's a that's something to be, you know, scared of." Yeah. But no, like it's it's more like butterbean thulu (laughs) and you just lose your fucking mind
1: (laughs) how's that 40 doing buddy
0: i'm again i'm 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 trying not to uh correlate all the contents of my mind but i'm about maybe like fittingly enough i'm I'm maybe like 40 percent in oh shit i'm right i'm right at the top of the label whatever that oh damn i got um, like a
1: quarter left
0: Oh, well, see, because that, well, that's, that, well, you definitely front loaded. This
1: is like fucking like drinking a little cup of water after running three laps.
0: Yeah, no, no, you, you, you absolutely front loaded um, your 40 consumption, (laughs) whereas I was more kind of like even split, but, um, (laughs) oh, man. Well, I, I, I I don't know. I, I guess maybe, because I feel like you and I both, we, we have a little more to say. About the yeah, story
1: one or two things
0: Oh, b- so, oh, okay um, I guess a little uh, kind of uh, uh, Behind the scenes uh, We had a nice extended break You got to chat with the Mrs. Wizard a bit I I got to drink yes. some water After having um, Like a half a gallon of <laughs> Goddamn Colt 45 <laughs> And, uh yeah and so and so okay so we so we finished the call of cthulhu we're both just like in amazement and wonder and awe at how awesome of a story this is i I guess i i guess it's it's fitting that maybe we take this last little time here and just record our final thoughts words to the wise yeah Yeah, all of that
1: words to the wise final thoughts Um, I love this story. It might be my favorite Lovecraft. I don't know. I've said that before. I'll say it again. Um, I don't recommend reading this while in the make 40s. Um, we failed to shoehorn. I know. Yeah, we forgot. Dear sweet. I miss little Gershon. It's fine. Maybe he'll show up in season four. Yeah, he's,
0: he spent this season, um, studying abroad, um, and is, yeah, they're, yeah they're, there you, you mean, go. Got a got a got a yeah special yeah work work study program anyway. But, um,
1: oh, I yeah. feel like shit. We're fucked. Oh, we're so dumb. Oh, I might puke on recording. Oh god, what's wrong? with me? Okay. No, we're fine. It's okay. fine. Um, no. Do you have final thoughts? Like, what do you got? Any? Yeah, just about it
0: I I just I just want everybody to read more Lovecraft, and if you if you can comprehend cosmic horror, I think that still in a way makes you appreciate what we have here. Like even though the idea behind cosmic horror being like no, like we're nothing and we're insignificant or whatever. And he and he even talks about like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, the like the like spring rains and the summer flowers they seem like poison to me now that I've understood this horrific thing that's lurking at the bottom of the ocean and what awaits us someday.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I still it's still there You're we're going right. to die like, and so and, and yet i'm at least able to kind of spin that in some sort of a way where it's like well i can even if these flowers are poison i can still smell them even if this malt liquor is poison i can still drink it and have a and have an enjoyable evening with two wizards reading lovecraft and and that's 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 what that's how I choose to in- interpret a lot of these stories.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think this is a weird metaphor for Jesus Christ. Because
0: yeah, you've you've kind of shared that hypothesis. I think the whole yeah. fucking thing,
1: and it, it and it just reaffirmed it. Um, fucking, there's a fruit fly that is just oh tempting god, me. It's son like, of a bitch. About my head. Also, I try to like write this like drunken. Okay, so here's how Jesus is Cthulhu, <laughs> right? So, it talks about his birth and the alignment of the stars and shit. Okay, so Jesus was born in the Christmas mm-hmm, star. That's mm-hmm. fine. Doesn't matter. But then, like, um, so he's eternal God slash Jesus, made all life on Earth, didn't really try to, or he, whatever. I... It's it's a weird doomsday cult because like Christians or not, not, not all Christians, but like I spent, unfortunately, a number of years in my youth in sort of a weird, like apocalypse. I'd call it a cult, a weird apocalypse cult in and like that was what they said. Like their fucking uh, tagline was don't buy green bananas (laughs) because that's how soon (laughs) Jesus is coming back. And then after like three years of being in said weird fucking church cult thing it was like you've been saying this for 3 yeah. years. Shut the fuck up yeah those like, don't know. yeah those, so, those like, green yeah, bananas it is like the return of these things they're gonna, yeah those
0: yeah. yeah those green bananas that you first warned me about though those are already decomposed and right yeah, yeah well and our poop bananas yeah. <laughs> what well, yeah. so so yeah and and like he's he he's he's here uh to like spread this message and to yeah, so 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 yes like th- there is a sort of weird anti-messianic quality to the call of Cthulhu also What With... do you think? Well 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 cuz 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 Cthulhu's definitely not here to like save us all and the exact sort of opposite, because all of these kind of cult worship around him, it's not it's not to like broadcast the message. It's to like still like give it just enough pulse and just enough life to kind of like keep it going. So it's not like an evangelical kind of um, mission.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so and so it, it is. I think it is also kind of Lovecraft. I don't think he's necessarily like the specifically subverting or deconstructing Christianity, but, but, but it is, it is very much a sort of play on that story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But also, do you want to live in the time when we get to revel and shout and kill in new ecstasies (laughs) or no? Cause I want to hang out. That'd be pretty cool. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah,
0: it it, it is. It's it's a um. Well, yeah, and, and I, I guess that's also part of it too. Like it's definitely. That's maybe like another uh um uh, strike in favor of, this being some sort of like, inverted messianic story, because yeah, like everyone's waiting for his return, in his second coming. And there's going to be some sort of weird eschatological uh, rapture of sorts, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, well, cause cause like to at, to to ask and answer that question, I think is a lot of ways similar to ask and answer uh, like the zombie apocalypse question, because mm. it seems. It seems to me like a pretty common answer to that is oh yeah bring on the zombie apocalypse cuz my uncle's got a cabin in the mountains and I've got um bow staff fighting skills and so sure I'll I'll do it but but like everyone who answers that way conveniently forgets that 98% of the population um yeah it goes under like like it's yeah. zombified so it's like oh, all right you got a one in 50 chance here uh <laughs> we'll we'll see how those bow staff fighting skills pay out for you um right and so it it, it is on on the one hand of course i would want to just kind of see or experience what that would be like but then on the other hand I fully know that I would be the one that gets killed almost instantly. <laughs> like it's not like I'm going it's not like I'm around like weeks into this thing to to see it play out. Mm-hmm. Like no, I'm 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 among the first on the chopping block. So, yeah. <laughs> I can admit that I, about I myself. Put, like
1: a week or two. I just don't want to like I don't want to like I don't want to be the sad like hangover from the like cult of ecstasies, you know.
0: Yeah. Ooh, we, yeah, that's like, a four
1: years down the line. Like, ooh. Yeah, that. We're, oh, hey, I. Oh, Josh, I gotta fuck the Mrs. Wizard. Sorry, cult of ecstasy. Oh, again. Yeah, I. I'm sorry. You know, like you. After a while, when it like becomes mundane, it's like God. Can we just like? Can I go to work? Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> fucking work a nine to five for fuck's sake yeah no no more fucking a noble madness and mayhem and chanting great fucking a cool love these new fucking ways to shout and revel thank you guys
0: that would be a hell of a high to like crash down from after yeah like the yeah like 20th day it's like oh oh man i could boo i i could go for a salad um I could go for some structure in my life. <laughs> so so yes, I also but but I would also tend to imagine that um if this all played out in the way that uh Lovecraft hints it might yeah, I, I think it would be a matter of like hours um that this all wraps up quickly and then um so so maybe we have that going for us. <laughs>
1: Which is nice. Yeah. All right, we gotta, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it, it is. Oust.
0: No, no. This is this is a. No, no, no. This is this is. I think the uh, most appropriate time to uh, yeah to to steer this boat into harbor with your like dead companion next to you, and you're not and you're not saying anything to the admiralty <laughs> officers because. You don't want to. You don't want to pass that along. But uh, but but anyway. So um, so yes, listeners, those of you following a- along with us, do you still have your sanity? Have you been racked? Do you hear the ominous uh tom tom off in the distance drumming? Um, <laughs> let us know. Tell us your experiences. Have you read this before? We would you like to read it on your own? I don't know. But you can contact us by uh, sending us an email at, uh, to twowizardspodcast at gmail.com You can find us on Twitter at twowizardspodc1 You can find me, Josh on Twitter at plaidbarbarian And Mark, how can people find you?
1: You can find me at um, Marky Stardust on Twitter. And yeah. Let us know, guys. Let us know. Do you, let us know.
0: Do you prefer buff Thulu or thick Thulu? Tell us. What is what is Cthulhu look like? How
1: do you about my digital Yes, because that will be up there. Then fuck you. But,
0: yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, um, also major shout out to yeah, you know, Billy D. Williams and Colt Forty Five. Uh, always, always.
1: I drank two forties. Did you drink two forties? I, I, oh my god, as I ramble, <laughs> I drank two forties. Josh, did you drink 240s? I
0: am, I am. I admittedly, I'm maybe one and two thirds forties, because 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 I because I am I am that type. I was. I was one of the crew members who initially got swept up in Cthulhu's claw. <laughs> I was Guerrero or whoever it was. But, uh, but but yeah, so 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 anyway. Yes, everyone. Did, or uh, uh, tweet us pictures of your 40 because that would be awesome too.
1: Y'all drinking 40s? Fucking let us know. <laughs> We're drinking 40s. We're drinking
0: We're 40s. Here. We're on these streets. We're drinking 40s. Cause I got 5:45 and it's 5:45. Gotta get a whopper and a 40 and ride. Do you fucking feel us? Uh.
1: <laughs> I fucking I fucking feel us.
0: Hell yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. Take care.
1: Right. Good night. He rolled upon his back, and after that I killed them all. Ah!
0: Ah! Ah! Ah!